Your attention is precious. Pulled in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of Blue. Learn more at BenefitOfBlueSC.com. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, it's as always an honor and a pleasure to welcome my next podcast guest to the desk. He is a husband and father. He spent 13 years on active duty, seven and a half of which as a SEAL, also has a fleet Marine Force pin with his time with the Marines. He has an Army Commendation Medal with V for Valor, as well as two Navy Achievement Medals with V for Valor, which is code for brass balls. He's an actor. He's been in Transformers, as well as a new film on its on its way out called Six Underground, both directed by Michael Bay. He's got a jockey commercial contract that'll make you fucking blush. <laughs> he is also a writer with a bunch of secret squirrel shit in the works that uh, he may or may not get into here in the podcast. And last but certainly not least, he is a minister, i.e. a man of the cloth, both in youth and men's conferences and the involvement in I Am Second, which is a, a big popular uh, deal around here in Texas. The Black Panther played him in a movie. Please welcome to the stage, Remy. And I'm going to let you pronounce your, your last name because I, I fucked it up every time. <laughs> Not so good. Adelaide. And it was actually Killmonger. Yeah. Killmonger pretty and, much and, stole my story and, 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 and had it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. well, so, you know, th- thinking back on and, and reading through your book, which is, uh, is really fascinating, by Thank the you. way, uh, I learned a lot about you. Thank uh, and it actually gave me some good perspective that, you know, some things that uh, made me think differently, both about our community, yeah. uh, about your story, about life in general, frankly. I mean, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, with the amount of people I've had on and the books I've read that, you know, I've just I've, I've seen and read a lot. Like, that's not a real easy task. Yeah, and, yeah. and so my hat's off to you, man. Like, the, you, the book is really good. And, and there's you. a lot of really good insight in there that uh, that I, I frankly wasn't expecting. Not that I didn't have high hopes or, yeah. or thought that it would suck. <laughs> Uh, but there were things in there that I, I, it really made me think about things. Thanks, and, uh, man. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you writing it. It's really no, I appreciate good. it. Yeah, I tried to just write it in a unique, different way and, and, and just really give a different perspective. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. And it's one that, uh, you know, uh, as a as a white boy in, in you know, rural, suburban yeah. Midwest Iowa, like, you know, your upbringing couldn't have been much, much different than yeah, mine. yeah. Uh, and, and, and there's a couple notes I have written in here that, uh, that I, I found actually laughing out loud in the book, just some of the, <laughs> some of the similarities and some of the stark differences. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty cool, but, yeah. but the recurring theme that, uh, that again, we'll get into, but the similarities that, that we all have from our community that, mm-hmm. that, 
generally speaking, uh, make us end up being where we're at. So absolutely, uh, really, really good threads throughout the book. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank um, you, brother. Thank you. I like to start out with just a couple of uh, just a couple of kind of random questions to, yeah. to kickstart things, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. Uh, I do have a first, ladies and gentlemen, on the Mic Drop podcast. Yeah. Is that uh, I have two two questions coming from uh, from my kids. Uh, I have them right now, and so uh, <laughs> I asked them to generate a couple of questions. They're uh, over on the couch smiling, yeah. little shit eating grins over there, <laughs> and uh, so I, I asked them to generate two questions uh, to, for me to ask you. So I'm going to start with those. I'm sure they good. The first one is, uh, what is the favorite movie you've acted in? Oh, well, who? Yeah, you got to pick favorites and piss somebody off. Yeah. I would have to say the last one. Six Underground one? Six Underground. Yeah. That, that was the last one because I got another yeah. gig. You know? yeah. was, that the, um, was that the most involvement uh, in terms of? Yeah, yeah, because I started out as a consultant. So I started out in pre-production in July of yeah. uh, 2018 yeah. and working with actors, getting them up to speed on tactics and, and fitness and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I got on set in Italy in September and I started out, and as soon as I got to Italy, I was thrown, thrown, thrown on set, acting, yeah. had, yeah. My first, had, had a monologue, had to deliver a speech, won't give away too much. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then, yeah, man, went, went straight into a lot of, a, a lot of the advising. So yeah. I, it was cool, because I got a chance to kind of work with the script a little bit, also, you know, help, you know, help with, with, with different departments. So it was cool. I got the full spectrum there. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so you, you kind of had involvement on almost in almost every aspect of the film in that regard. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as as far as the script, it wasn't like I was coming in changing, but there were times when 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 you know the actors or that, or Bay was like, hey, you know, what what should we say here, or what yeah. should we say there to make it more authentic? And yeah. I, I would kind of give some input there, and then and then yeah, being being on set, you know, how to how should the actor move into into a shot if they're if they have a weapon in their hand and they're yeah. going down a hallway, what would that look like? You know, yeah. setting that up. So it was I was I was really involved a lot it, yeah. it was cool and that's what really inspired me to kind of get more into the writing side of things yeah. you know what i mean to to create my own content because it was like okay if i could come on a set and, and do all of this advising to get this get this film you know as authentic as possible why don't i just create something yeah. and start from the foundational part the script being being yeah. authentic but you know to me when in speaking about authenticity the one of the things that i i really like about michael bay and there's a handful of other you know big name directors out there that yeah that I think uh, employ the same tactic of bringing in no shit experts in yeah. whatever movie they're trying to portray, and, and this this will date me a little bit. But uh, the first Transformers, I was one of the one of the assholes that, oh, yeah. uh, that, that got to go up in that and uh, running around. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my screen time is about two and a half seconds, I think, uh, yeah. of the several days I spent up there. It's the it's the part where. The group of uh, Sector Seven assholes surrounds the Bumble, surrounds Bumblebee. Oh and, yeah, and like, yeah. Uh, and they, in the channel was yeah. it in like yeah. the, uh, the LA, in LA channel? channel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and freezes them. I don't say shit. You can't recognize me. I'm yeah. just one of those one of those dick bags. That, you got paid uh, though, right? I did. Yeah, and it was just it was a neat experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, like have, having no no background in that and no real idea other than what uh, what I thought it was. You know, there were some things that were the same and, and some that were very different. But my I guess my point is is that. Yeah the the collaboration between him and and harry humphreys and and you know all of the people that were involved just for some something as simple as making the guys who were handling guns look like they knew yeah. what they were doing instead of a lot of them where you're like 
Jesus. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So uh, to me, it was just it was refreshing to see that there's at least some 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 of that attention to detail that's so big in our our community. No, absolutely. I know Pete Berg. He does the same thing. Antoine yeah. Foucault. You know, he's really big on, on yeah. bringing guys in. Yeah. And, and so yeah, that man. makes a big difference. You know, and instead of being the guy that sits there like uh, MST3K talking shit about the movie the whole yeah, time, yeah, 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 yeah. everything's messed up. Armchair quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I was worried at times. I was like, man, like, like if this doesn't come out right, this is going to come back on me. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to be that guy responsible. Yeah, man. Everybody, because in the credits, they're going to say, uh, military advisor, right? Man, like, oh, that yeah. turn, like, <laughs> screwed the movie, dude. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, so this next question is actually uh, a little more profound than I was expecting, so oh, hats nice. off to the, to the kids. Uh, what's the most out-of-character choice you've ever made? Ooh, what's the most out of character? Call, calling you out early on the podcast. Well, from what time period? And any, anything that pops up in your life, right? Comes uh, up, comes down. <laughs> any any period of life? Any wow, period. there's a whole lot. I got yeah. I got to nail it down. I would say when I was younger. You know, my mom, she raised me and my brother, right? You know, she did the best she could to, to make sure that we were, you know, upstanding citizens. But um, when I was younger and I started getting involved in the stuff I was getting, like I started out stealing from my mom. I talk about yeah. it in the book. And, yeah. and um, I stole an item from my mom. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't give it away. Yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah, but I stole an item from my mom that was really, I would say it was out of, very out of character, but I was desperate. Yeah. I was desperate to to have money, to have respect, to have that power and, and to have what, what I saw, what other people had. And, and, and my mom raised me better than that to yeah. do that. So I would say that that was, that was definitely out of my character. Yeah. Yeah, and let time. that be a lesson to you two ladies. Don't be stealing shit from your mom. <laughs> I know you know better. Um, all right. Uh, best hazing story. I always like to ask military guys, uh, like best oh, hazing man. story, whether it's you or, you know, allegedly to somebody else right but oh yeah i, I mean as you know in the teens we have yeah, hazy story brutal uh, i'm like you know what i'm gonna leave the teens out of it because i'm sure you get a lot of team guys like yeah. in the hazy story i'm gonna go to the i'm gonna go to the marine corps dude. oh is that right because when i was when i was a, a, a corpsman in the marines dude the hazing was crazy and i'll tell the story about me so so um we were we, we were we were in kuwait uh and and um I had I went and took I would go take a shower because uh, the, the mobile they were the mobile shower so you had to live in a t- I lived in a tent with like sixty other dudes right the whole platoon yeah. I was an eighty one mortar mortar platoon at sounds this like point. a sword fight <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't fun <laughs> and uh, and I walked to the, sh- the showers that were probably like you know hundred feet away and I just had my towel and that's how I would do sometimes and when I went in I took a shower and 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 the, the corporals took my towel dude yeah so I had to walk naked <laughs> I didn't care at this point yeah. I'm you know I'm like I don't they, do they, the they, they, they were girls on they were yeah. girls on the on the on the on the uh <laughs> You know the different tents down from us. I was like, I don't care, dude. Like yeah. I ain't ashamed, dude. So, yeah. doing so the, I, were you doing the helicopter? Yeah, <laughs> I won't go that far. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I walked naked uh, back to the day. And the funny thing was, the, the entire platoon got in trouble for it. Oh no, shit. because the uh, the XO saw me. Yeah, and he was like, "What? The, you know, what's going on here?" And then I was like, uh, "Dude, somebody took my towel. Yeah. I know who it was. I'm not gonna snitch, but this is the outcome from it." So, uh, well, so let me ask you this. I mean, I know. You know, in the teams, it's pretty brutal. Were they yeah. as as physically brutal as they are? In oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I share a story in my book where I really got upset because there was there was a, um, there was one marine that was doing. I forgot they call like 
turtle back and a turtle something crazy where he was taking he took his helmet off and he was beating this other marine on the top of his helmet yeah. and i was just like i remember i got i stood up i couldn't i was i was like a a, a, a new guy so to speak but i couldn't take it anymore so i stood up and i, yeah. I, I let the let the corporal have it and yeah. settled the situation yeah i mean to me hazing's uh it's like with anything i mean there's there's balance that needs yeah. to be adhered to and, and uh you know it, it's easy for it to get out of hand especially Absolutely. if it's you know after hours and there's beer involved or whatever but yeah but i also think on the flip side like it's also a necessary remediation tool yeah, you know, yeah i know i was and i'm sure you were a recipient of it to yeah. where it, it it does get the job done yeah, you know, yeah. And, it, and it teaches you <laughs> a life lesson sometimes yeah, especially but, when you're a new team guy you, oh, yeah. you, your chest is a little poking out man yeah. it kind of keeps you aligned yeah, yeah, keep, keep you a little grounded <laughs> yeah yep uh so I, there's a lot of references to the the influence uh, that hip-hop and and different music has played in uh, in your life yeah which uh, i've got got a couple notes written down we'll talk about that here in a bit but uh to to mix it up a little bit i'm gonna ask you what your favorite country song is and, and just full disclosure i fucking hate country <laughs> dude i can't tell you i don't Couldn't know i don't know the name I thought of you're gonna bust out song, some dude <laughs> some, some honky-tonk shit no i don't i'm sorry is garth, I'm, <laughs> garth not even, I'm not even gonna play the game dude because i don't know any any yeah, any pretend. real yeah. country yeah. No, stars right or you. any names or anything yeah. so, so no, I, I do sorry country fans yeah. dude yeah. I mean, you're not you're not messing with one here i yeah. i I mean, to me, it's like I, I grew up in Iowa. I've lived here for over a decade. I just yeah. don't like it. You know, there's, yeah. just, there's just nothing about it I yeah. like. And, you know, if that pisses you off, you can choke yourself. There you go. <laughs> my, uh, my, my two uh, right hand right hand people over here are giving me shit for not saying it in the last two. So I had to throw oh, that in there. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So last uh, last question, and this is one I, I'd just like to ask everybody is uh, what is your, like on a normal day? What does your morning routine look like? Uh, morning routine. I get up. Um, I usually have a devotional time. So I start off with, with reading the Bible. I read like a, you know, a few scriptures in the Old Testament, a few in the New Testament. Uh, then I have a time of prayer uh, that kind of get settled and get get set and prepared for the day. And then I juice. I juice every morning. I juice fresh fruit, fruits and I don't eat breakfast, so yeah. I juice uh, fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, primarily vegetables, broccoli and stuff, just to kind of yeah. get my stomach and everything cleansed. And, and then from there, I take my kids to school. Uh, and then from there, I hit the gym. And then after I get back from the gym, it's writing, yeah. emails, work, mainly writing, and, yeah. uh, and getting the day done until 4.30. Yeah, so uh, on the gym routine part, um, well, two things. Do you yeah. throw any fats or anything like that into into the juice? Mix? No, no, no. no I, I keep it all just straight fruit, vegetables, ginger. Yeah. Yeah. On the workouts, do you, do, uh, do you subscribe to any particular... CrossFit style. And, you know. I do. So I, I call it circuit training. Yeah. Uh, some people would call it CrossFit, but I, I do circuit training. I don't go for speed. I don't go for, for time. I just have, I have a, uh, I have certain routines that I do and I just want to get it done, yeah. but I'm not sprinting do it through yeah. it, you know, and I, but I do want, I do try to keep my, my heart rate up yeah. as, as much as possible. So it's kind of a happy medium bang for your buck. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. And it just suck. My workouts suck. I mean, yeah. my assistant Brad, I'll tell you, cause he works out with me sometimes they suck, yeah. but yeah. I'm not, I'm not out there. As you know, you yeah. know, with the, with the job that we did and, and going through training, all yeah. that, your body, our bodies are, oh, yeah. are jacked. I, know. So, I, just, <laughs> yeah, I just, I tore, 
I tore my a full tear in my tricep yeah. uh, a couple months ago. So you know the oh, deal, man. man. Yeah. That just, sucks, man. Sorry to hear that, just, bro. Just getting brittle, you know. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's life, I guess. Yeah. So I'm not so because of that, like I got, you know, arthritis in my knee, torn labrum, all that. Yeah. Uh torn labor in my hips. I don't I'm not out there trying not to like, the keep up with the twenty year old. Yeah. You no, know. no shots at the title. Nah, yeah. nah, that that that's boat to sail, dude. Nah, no, no, <laughs> and me both. I, I had a humbling, humbling lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. Grappling and tearing my tricep, Dang, but uh, sucks, that, that shit happens. Sorry, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, all right. So, in terms of your childhood, um, yeah. you know, obviously, there's a in the context of of what most U.S. military service members and, and especially in the seal or, or special operations community yeah. uh upbringings you know yours was certainly you know atypical yeah growing up in in the lagos region um you know of nigeria what of what you can remember mm-hmm. you know what was that kind of like uh just in terms of you know what what it triggers in your mind is as uh being different from say now how your kids are being raised and, and what was that like yeah you know you know we lived we didn't live a hard we lived a great life in in, in victoria island you know yeah. uh nigeria my dad he was very successful very wealthy he was a millionaire um he engineered one of the first man-made islands in the world oh, and um uh, Banana Island, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, because of his success, you know, in business and as an entrepreneur, we lived a fantastic life, yeah. you know, uh, from from what I remember and, and from what you know, the pictures and everything my mom tells me. So, yeah, we didn't want for anything, we had all kinds of maids and nannies and cooks and drivers and all of that. Yeah. So, life was fantastic, uh, yeah. the first five years of my life, yeah. Um, uh, and so I would I would say that my kids now, you know, because of, of my success in the film and TV industry and, and business and other things, they're living a life almost equivalent to to the to my first five years of life. Yeah. Do you think that the because the, the contrast from that first five years, then you move here and yeah. and the certainly tragic and untimely passing of your father. Yeah. Um you know, especially in, in reading it, like you guys were were here, you spent that week in, in Detroit with them. Yeah. You know how how I, I know it was a, a big impact, but at the time, like you know, how how did that impact you at, at that age, especially? You know, people ask me that question all the time, and I say, you know, I credit my mom. She did a fantastic job at 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 at, at protecting us from the the reality of what happened. Yeah. So she she was really able to we didn't know the difference mm-hmm. it was and that's the weird thing people ask me all oh, how can you know them right i mean you gotta remember i was five years old yeah. so i you know five-year-old as long as you could play with your toys and, and 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 you got food in your stomach you know nothing's you know much different you know yeah. so so in my early years five six seven i would say i didn't really know what i didn't understand death either as yeah. a matter of fact i remember when my mom told my brother and I that our father died. I'll never forget it. She placed my brother on, on, on her right side. She placed me on her left side. We were on a red couch and she said, your father's gone. He's not coming back. He died. And we didn't, my, my father traveled so much for business yeah. that we just thought he was on another long business trip. Yeah. And so as soon as she told us, and she wasn't crying, which yeah. was another crazy thing. So obviously she's not crying. She's not emotional. And I know she was doing that because she was trying to keep it together for, for yeah. herself. We're not crying. We're just like, oh, okay. 
And we just went back to playing. Like, I'll I'll never forget it. Me and my brother went into a bedroom and we just started playing with toys as if nothing happened. So, again, the reality of of that change didn't really hit me until I was like eight years old. And then I I looked around the bedroom I was in with my brother and and I looked at the lad because there were times when my mom didn't have enough food to to feed herself she just had just enough food to feed my brother and i and i remember you know she would get so mad at me when i would spit out onions and i didn't get it at the i hated onions as a kid but i didn't get that she was upset because she was giving me the little bit of food that she could have eaten you know even if it was just onions so yeah she did again she did a great job at, at at hiding what was going on. And one of the things I I, I didn't see it mentioned in the book, but I, mm-hmm. I found myself asking, like, you yeah. know, with your your father being kind of an internationally renowned businessman and, and brilliant in terms of all these different degrees he had, yeah. and you know, educated in London, and and you know, just like holy shit, like this yeah. guy is super talented, but. Yeah. Your mom was from New York. How, how did they meet? <laughs> That's a funny story. That's the real coming to America. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's, a lot yeah. of people talk about coming to America. No, I was like, no. this is the real coming to. As a matter of fact, I'm helping my mom. She's writing her book now, and I'm helping her with it, uh, yeah. which is going to be almost like a prequel to this book. But she, uh, my mom, uh, she was into the arts, as I talk about in the book, heavily into the yeah. arts. And my dad, he was an art collector, and he was into the arts. So he one day, one day he was in New York for for a business meeting at the World Trade Center, and uh, and my mom decided, hey, I want to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Natural History, History to look at this exhibit. It was actually a, an exhibit on Yoruba art, which is the tribe I'm from. And, and so my mom went to the exhibit and uh, my dad, he was in town. And he knew that there was an exhibit on, because our tribe, again, our tribe is a Yoruba tribe. She knew that, uh, he knew that there was an exhibit on the Yoruba's uh, artwork and, and uh, sculptures. And so he went and that's how they met. My mom, they were looking at a piece of art at the same time and 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 he turned over and said hello to her and she said hello and then they went went, went about their business and then they ended up at another painting or somewhere yeah. in the museum at the yeah. same time again and that's what sparked they ended up getting um and my mom she was a flight attendant yeah. so she had her own life she had her own life as a flight attendant um in new york and uh and uh, she didn't know anything about my dad but uh, obviously he swept her off her feet. <laughs> can, can I at least ascertain and, and hope yeah. that your dad had better game than uh, than the instance of you in the San oh, yeah. Diego bar oh. saying I didn't name you fine? <laughs> I read that. I was like, there's no, there's no way he pulled that off. Hey, I was honest, man. I was well, I was honest in telling the truth yeah. about what happened, but uh, as you know, at the time I wasn't honest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he had way more game than me. Yeah. <laughs> he had a British, he, he was Nigerian, but he also spoke Patois, which yeah. is, is is like the natural, a pigeon, which yeah. is the natural Nigerian English language. And then he spoke Yoruba, he spoke French, and then he had, he could fluctuate between an English and a, and a Nigerian accent. Yeah. So man, he crazy. was, we was suave, you yeah. know? Oh, so, yeah. so yeah, he had way more game. Yeah. They got married five months after they met. Oh, like, no yeah, 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 like five months after they met, they got wow. married. And my mom and my dad, my dad was like, hey, I, I have an amazing life in Africa if you want to come. And so she was like, sure. And yeah. she moved to Africa uh, yeah. with my dad. Man, that's wild. Yeah, so that's the real, again, that's the real, that's the real coming story. to America. Because yeah. he, he was a chief. I know. It. And again, in, in Yoruba culture and in, in a lot of African culture, you know, royalty is is, is 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 not known as king, queen. It's known as chief. And our last name, Adeleke, means the crown is above so we, uh, it's the crown is above so we come from that 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 uh, royalty lineage from the Yoruba yeah. tribe yeah. so it's coming to America <laughs> no, no, that, yeah, I mean reading it and, and there's the reference to that but the, you can't help but think like that's it's like the movies yeah. almost 
almost verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is that movie came out around the same time yeah. we were going through it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They met in 81. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or 80. A couple years like later, that. Eddie Murphy is playing the, playing the role. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, somebody stole the story, man. I know. <laughs> getting rights on that. Yeah. Um, all right, so your dad ends up passing. Now you guys find yourself in, in the apartment that he had in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, I've not spent a lot of time in New York, but yeah. but enough to, you know, be fairly familiar with the kind of the different personalities and characters of each each borough and i find that one of the mo- one of the more fascinating things about new york is is how different yeah each borough is but obviously the bronx is, is pretty well renowned for being yeah. a pretty rough spot and a lot of a lot of famous people and uh and such have come from there and, and have you know frequently opined about about the rough nature of, of that place but one of the things that i, I thought was really cool and, and frankly was kind of jealous of uh, hearing about you and the crew that you ran around oh, yeah, with, yeah, like yeah. it reminded me of the movie uh, The Sandlot. Yeah, I mean, like it reminded me of that. That's, like, that's how it was, man. Know? We were we were a bunch of misfits. We did everything together. As a matter of fact, a lot of us are still super connected, um, yeah. and we get together. But yeah, I, those was some. I, a lot of people ask me, you know, how did the Bronx prepare you for you know military buds, you know, the community and all that. And, and, and there's so many answers to that, but one of the answers I can give is, is just that com- the community of kids, man, that we grew up. Cause we were outside, dude. We wasn't like yeah. video games were just up and coming. You know, we played Sega Genesis and yeah. stuff like that here and there, but we were outside running, you know, cracking jokes on each other, pushing each other. I mean, yeah. me and my buddy Ricardo, we joke about it all the time. We say, you know, kids nowadays would not survive oh, if no. they got in a time machine and hung out with it. You would yeah. not think we were no, friends the way we treated uh, each yeah. other. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like team guys do, right? Yeah, you know, man. It's like you're harder on each other than than everybody else. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's neat to see that. Uh, just you know the, that upbringing with that crew, it was, it was pretty cool to, to read, and, and like I said, it made me think of the Sandlot. But um, yeah, as as you start to kind of get older and and uh, you know go through some of the trials and tribulations of of school and high school with your mom being uh, an educator herself, and yeah. some of the issues you ran into with some of the teachers. One of the things again that I <laughs> you know kind of gleaned from the book that uh isn't something that you know it's something i've thought about but mm-hmm. uh not not so much in the same context in terms of the you know the disparity between funding for schools that have uh you know a lot of either subsidized housing yeah. or or much poorer uh, real estate values which translates to lower property tax which yep. translates to lower funding and yep. and how big of a struggle it is you know and it's uh you know again it's it's something that I think all of us, you know, with kids um, consciously and subconsciously think about a little bit in terms of trying to be in neighborhoods that, absolutely, you know, that have better schools. I mean, you know, everybody's yep. doing it and, and it, you know, it's, it's frustrating as an American, I think sometimes to, you know, I don't know what the fucking right answer is, you yeah. know, because it's, you know, trying, trying to, to delegate funding and, and whatever to fix that system is, is a, is a huge task. And I don't think the department of education is really, doesn't seem like they're really that focused on that. No, uh, no. And one thing that they are doing in the Bronx that they that has been like uh, helping is the charter schools. So you yeah. have a lot of these charter schools that are now popping up, yeah. you know, to to help supplement. Because I mean, the public school system. At least when I was growing up, and I know now from people, I would assume now from some people I've had conversations with, it's it's, it's, yeah, it's not good, man. No, I know. You know. Well, and, yeah. I mean, I you know. In my own actually have been through different a lot of different school systems in, in the in the last decade and mm-hmm. you know there there is a huge disparity between well funded and not well yeah. funded. I mean they have their own sets of problems but 
Um, you know, to me, it needs to be dealt with probably more on a more federal level where things are, are disseminated a little more evenly. But I agree. Um, and I wrote that in a book, you know, I wanted to be intentional because I'm hoping that in some way, the way I wrote the majority of this book is like, okay, like a lot of people are going to pick up this book because I'm a team guy. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, that's just the reality oh, of yeah. it. So what topics can I touch on that are going to hopefully help influence some kind of change? Yeah. And so when I was talking about the educational system, that was more strategic. And I hope that 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 something will change. Yeah. Maybe it might spark something in the, in the federal government or somebody with influential power who yeah. reads it says, wow, like if this guy had to go through all of this from an educational standpoint. Yeah fight against the tide to get to where he is today. Yeah. We need to make this easier. You know? Yeah. I mean, and well, and, and it certainly wasn't lost on me. I mean, it was definitely yeah. something I, I pulled from it. And, uh, yeah. you know, to me, the, the short answer is, you know, ha- having federal funding that, that, you know, closes or, or evens that gap a little bit Amen. so that, so that they all have at least uh, similar funding, you know. But, Absolutely, that makes sense. You know, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like it yeah. for president. Yeah. Man. Oh, shit, I don't know about Michael that. President, man. I got too many <laughs> skeletons. Um, no. The uh, one of the things that I, I found again as as a big similarity that you mm-hmm. and I have in growing up is how big of a role music played. Oh yeah, um, and especially you know I, I had a and and continue to have a, a phenomenal uh, set of parents, specifically a father, which yeah. You know, tragically, you you uh, lacked in in that upbringing, but mm-hmm. I I found it really neat that notorious Big of all people, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> kind of played a father role. It's a yeah. mixed mixed uh, blessing, I guess, in no, terms of the influence. But uh, but to me, like that, that's one of the neat things about music. And and yeah. for me, it was more on on like the metal and rock and roll stuff. But mm-hmm. it was just something that. It, both kind of an escape and a motivator and a, and you could relate to certain things yeah. and, and whatever and so if you could kind of just explain the you know the influence of of uh you know the hip-hop culture especially being from where you're at in that time frame like it being such a big deal can you can you talk a little bit no about absolutely you know in the late 80s and the early 90s you know when i was coming up hip-hop culture music rap i mean it was just it was just blowing up and you know as a young african-american growing up in the inner city you know and not having a father i was looking for my identity Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i was just looking for for something that to to cling to um and 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 use as a guidepost for me as somewhat of a blueprint and so music kind of hip-hop's blossom came at I would say the perfect time because uh, it, it, and, and, and I say the perfect time because a lot of the a lot of the things that I gleaned from it, yeah, it led me to do some bad things. But when I finally gained the wisdom to do the right things, I was able to glean the right things, you know, from it. So, for mm-hmm. example, you know, even that that hustler mentality you hear about in the music, you know, Jay Z talked about. I love being, I love being a hustler. You know, Biggie talked about that. P Diddy talked about that. Nas, you know, <laughs> Mob Deep, all of these guys would always talk about be a hustler, go go out there, get after it. And um, in so many words. And so, so I took that. And again, I started out again, stealing from my mom and that progressed to, 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 um, to stealing from jobs, to stealing from stores, to, 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 to selling drugs, to running scams. And, but ultimately, and the essence of it was, I want to be somebody. I want to do something like these rappers. What they're talking about is ultimately, you know, what they're talking about is be somebody. Yeah. become successful and 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 this is the way to become successful so so i was trying to become successful but i was essentially following their blueprint it wasn't until 
later in life and even now where that hustler mentality is still within me and I figured out how to use it the appropriate way, yeah. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And one of the excerpts that I have highlighted that I pulled yeah. from it that uh, in, in relation to this that kind of struck, struck a chord with me a little bit is, mm-hmm. uh, and it goes, Mom did the best job she could, but yeah. as I grew older and taller, my fear of her maternal presence began to wane <laughs> and the absence of my father loomed large. Yeah. And to me, in conjunction with, you know, it, it sounds like, um, you know, that that the influence from Chad, the barber upstairs yeah. and, and uh, you know, and, and then kind people of, on the block, kind of fur- yeah, the furthering like that, that influence from uh, from that culture of music uh, yeah. played a huge paternal role in your life. Right? Absolutely. That, that I tell people all the time, you know, hip hop was my father. Yeah. It, I mean, and, and for a lot of young African-American kids, minority kids. Spanish kids, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans in, in the inner city, hip hop is their father. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, and, and so, you know, leading into kind of the next part of, of the book that, uh, you know, that I think is significant to talk mm-hmm. about is, you know, surrounding hip hop culture, especially at that time. I remember, you know, I'm, I'm a few years older than you, but, yeah. the, you know, I was in high school when the Rodney King yeah. uh, situation happened. And, and I know at my school, like it, it, it exploded racial yeah. tensions. You yeah. know? I mean, I think it did for the entire country. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, but the, the, I think there's kind of an ever present, present, um, you know, feeling of anti-police, anti-government, oh, yeah. you know, anti-authority, you know, oh, yeah. in a lot of music, but yeah. specifically hip hop culture. Yeah. And, and what I thought, what I thought was really cool and, 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 um, you know, kind of a, almost a surreal foreshadowing was the motivation uh, that you drew from seeing both Bad Boys and The Rock. Yeah. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so my mom, she was heavily into the arts, as I mentioned, and, and, and she loved film. And she still loves film. She's always viewed it as an art form. And she would take us to the movie. She would save up her pennies, save up her money, and then she would make it her business to try and take my brother and I to a movie to expose us. She would expose us to all kinds of different arts, but to expose us that hour for him and I remember one time I went to go see Bad Boys and man it, it, was, it was a game changer for me because I was again that was the first time I saw two African American men who who were me yeah. but they were police officers and they were cool yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. and so when I saw that movie even though I hated the police yeah. I hated the police as a young kid you know even though I hated the police it's still got the wheels turning in my head. Maybe I can be a hero in that sense and still be cool, you know? Um, So it did open my eyes from that perspective. And then when I saw The Rock, you know, in 96, that was the first time I saw or heard of Navy Seal. I didn't know yeah. what a Navy Seal was. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get billboards of yeah. Navy Seals in the Bronx or yeah. Brooklyn or any of that stuff. Yeah. And so when not I a lot saw, of scuba diving. Either. Not a lot of scuba yeah. diving. Not a lot of pools, period. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's the Bronx, you know? And so, uh, 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 yeah, when I saw that movie and I saw these guys coming out of the water and, and they had their, their suppressors and their wetsuits and all that out. You know, the kid was like, yo, I'm going to be a Navy Seal. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. And so, obviously, I fouled that away. Um, but, but when I finally did end up making the decision to go into the military, even though that decision was a fight for me because of what you mentioned, I hated the police, I hated authority, I hated the government, all of that. It was, it was those films that really was kind of solidify what I would do in the military. Yeah. And and to me, the, one of the cool things about that is the, Mm -hmm. is that that sense of purpose and motivation and kind of a, almost a light switch moment. Yeah. You know, from, from having hip hop culture be, be a father, 
you know, and, and having a really negative connotation to uh, to police and authority, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to now, you know, watching two movies that, you know, in, in essentially four or five hours, yeah. you know, can, can completely change your life. And uh, one of the things that I thought was cool, mm-hmm. just that kind of surreal foreshadowing is, like, imagine knowing at that time that, you know, 15, 20 years later, like, you're, you're going to be in a movie yeah. directed by the same fucking guy. I know. That's, that, that, that's the, you know, and that's what, what big part of my faith is, like, I'm just like, man, like, even went out, because I wasn't always a man of faith. I wasn't always a Christian, you know, and, and, and you know, I was I would fluctuate between atheism and agnosticism, depending on the day of the week. But, you know, when I, at that time, I definitely wasn't, I didn't believe in anything, but in retrospect, I truly believe that, you know, it was God leading me, especially when you look at the odds of what are the odds of these two films inspiring me. And then this guy putting in me in my first two movies, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no, like, it's totally crazy. Uh, so that does things like that where I'm just like, man, there, there is a God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, in the, in, I mean, the rock for me, mm-hmm. I actually saw that. I think it was a couple weeks before I went to boot camp. Yeah. You know, same kind of thing. Like I was mm-hmm. just like, I mean, I had already decided at that point, but... Uh, you knew you wanted to be a frogman before I, the rock? Oh, yeah. Okay, because yeah, it I, wasn't like me jumping on the bandwagon, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, similarly, like, yeah. I didn't know shit about him. I read a, a popular mechanics article when I was a sophomore, oh, uh-huh. um, and I was just like, holy shit, like, yeah. these guys are awesome, you know, and from that, you know, from then, and then I went, I watched, you know, every, you know, movie or recruiting video, magazine, article, book, whatever, you know, read Marcinko's books and yeah. Point Man and... Uh, by by patches watson and you know dug everything i could up and started training at that point and then the rock was kind of icing on the cake because i mean like i said i was i was ready to leave a couple weeks later oh that's awesome i bet that was motivated like the rock comes out and watching and it's like i'm going to buds dude well i mean there was a little bit of the you know like shit maybe i should be a marine instead they just got smoked by all these marines yeah yeah yeah, right (laughs) you know but if people say i I tell people all the time it's like yeah "Yeah, even though the seals got killed man i stuck with them yeah but i I, you know the story from the book i almost went to the marine corps <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, you got you got lucky that they didn't show up. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, and, and reading it too, I have no doubt that recruiter was just uh, trying to hook up with uh, uh, with the the recruiter that ended up saving your ass. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He I'm was. Sure he was. I, was oh, I wasn't there, but we'll get into that. But yeah, um, absolutely. So, so that was during high school, and then uh, you know, like a lot of high school kids, myself yeah. included. Not so much that you couldn't be a good student. It was like you, did, you just didn't really give a shit. Similar yeah. to me, like I didn't do very well in, in high school. I just didn't really care. Yeah. But I, 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 I kind of found it humorous, uh, and I, I wanted to ask you that. So on the last day, you know, to graduate, and I won't spoil too much of, of the book yeah, uh, yeah. instances, but long story short is that your English teacher teaches you a pretty humbly less, yeah, humbling man. lesson. Yeah, uh, basically saying, you know, with, with your potential, uh, you've got a lot of potential, prove it to me by tomorrow morning and yep. you pull it off. But I, and then like literally the next page, like, so I graduated high school and I start selling drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, dude taught you a pretty, pretty good lesson. And it like, what, what was that all about? I, you know, that lesson again, what that lesson really instilled in me is I can, achieve whatever I want to achieve. I can accomplish anything. And at that time, you know, I really wanted to make it big in the music business. You know, I wanted, I was a rapper. I've been rapping in high school, freestyling high school. I had a crew of dudes that we were rapping. And, 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 and not only did I want to be a rapper, but I wanted to own my own record company. So I had started my record company. And and part of the reason why I got into the drugs and the scams and all the stuff I was doing was because I was like, again, that incident with the teacher told me you can accomplish anything. So I figured now 
I can use these drugs and these scams and all of this stuff to make the money to accomplish my dream of yeah. owning a record company. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To an end. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I wasn't, I wasn't really, I, you know, I didn't sell the drugs because I, I wanted the money so that I can invest in the business, yeah. you know. Well, one of the things that, you know, I, I found myself thinking, and, and I think it a lot of times when yeah. I see like career criminals or, or professional criminals, uh, yeah. you know, out, out here in rural Texas, you see a lot of, uh, you know, people running meth or, or just doing stupid shit. But yeah. is that like the amount of time and energy and effort and creativity that you put into yeah. avoiding <laughs> you know, shit. Like if you if you focus that on something, positive, I know, you know right? But, You'd but, be a billionaire. Yeah, I mean, like hustling, you know, the cell phone scams and and you know selling drugs and stealing shit and, and all this other stuff. But yeah. I guess you know, hearing you say it, it's a means to an end for the um, you know for the record label. I'm curious, yeah. like you, you know, it, it seems like when when you had the opportunity or you're presented with the opportunity to mm-hmm. go to, to Def Jam, right, and, yeah. and present. Uh, you know some of your your guys's work for uh, for them, and they're basically like, yeah, it's just not really yeah. really there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you can you talk us through that process and how how humbling and shitty that was? Yeah, it was it was it was my last it was my last option essentially um, because the money was running out and and I and and I was desperate. I was desperate, and you know how it is when you're desperate, and then yeah, that door I closes do, yeah. right in your face, man. And so. So when that door closed in my face, it was just, it was a horrible feeling. And it was at that point where, where I, I knew that this whole music thing wasn't going to work out anymore, but I didn't. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I mean, that was the feeling for me. Cause it was like, in my mind, I was like, man, I have failed at so much. I had failed at being a son to my mother. I failed at being a brother to my brother. I had barely graduated high school because of the situation that happened. You know, I failed at essentially hustling. And now this record company is failing and I have nothing to show for because literally I had nothing to show for. So it was it was it was depressing. Yeah. It really was depressing. Yeah. Did uh, 
did any of the the crew from uh, Eighth Wonder did did any of them ever end up making it or doing it? No, no. Um, as a matter of fact, I uh, I put together these cutting room floor videos of stories that didn't make it into the book yeah. and uh, uh, plug that. It's on YouTube. <laughs> transform book, transform book uh, YouTube page. But yeah. but um, but anyway, I interviewed people from the time who knew me before I knew myself the friends I grew up with and they shared these stories about me that didn't make it into the book. And, and in one of the stories, uh, my boy Charles, uh, we used to call him Showtime. He, he kind of gives an update on where some of the guys are. And a few of them are still rapping. Really? They're still trying to make it in the industry. As a matter of fact, a funny story when I, when I fin- after I finished, well, it's not funny, but well, it kind of is. But uh, <laughs> when I went after Transformers came out, I was in enough of the film where I was allowed to go on a press tour, a little bit of a press tour. So I did the Today Show and 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 and, and different news outlets, and then I ended up doing uh, Hoda's uh, uh, series radio station uh, interview. And after I came down from the series offices, it was these two, tw- it was these t- these twins. We used to call them the twins. They approached me. They're like, "Yo, man, who?" You? They they didn't recognize me. They were they were with my record company no, back sure. in the day. The, the, the videos on my Instagram. And you can go on my Instagram you. and see the the whole the whole situation. So they run into you and so, don't recognize you. Yeah, so they come up to me and like, man, what celebrity are you? What celebrity are you? And I'm like, I'm Remy, dude. I'm Remy, we used to run together. And they're like, what? It's like, man, you know, nah, you're a celebrity, man. And then uh, let's, let's take a picture because all they do is stand outside of that building. If you go on their Instagram, <laughs> you'll see them with Oprah, all the celebrities. That's their their, yeah. their, their thing. And so we take a. I'm like, yo, it's Remy, man. And he's like, Sean John, Sean John. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. It's like, oh, you watch the videos yeah. on my Instagram, but it's so funny. But but they're still trying to, and they gave me their new album. Yeah. And they're still trying to make it in the music business. So people are still getting after it. So uh, two questions. Do you still ever, you know, rap just for the hell of it? Uh, and and do, you, do you have any any aspirations to get back into having a label or doing any of that? Kind ah, of you know what? Uh, first part of the question, no, I don't rap. <laughs> not even <laughs> in the shower. Uh, not in the, even in the shower. I, uh, you, I, I see it's transitioned more into my writing. Like I, like I wrote a poem uh, in, in one of the opening chapters of my book about the Bronx. And so, so I do write. I still do write, but... I'm writing. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing in a different way, you know, writing films and, and, and poems and stuff. Yeah. But um, as far as bringing the company back to life, I actually funny you bring that up because uh, three weeks ago I actually uh, got incorporated. I re Eighth Wonder Entertainment is back in business, but nice. now it's a production company. Yeah. So um, cool. so that it was a pretty cool story because I went on. I went on. Uh, I went to go incorporate it, and I, and I was like, oh, I don't want it to be Eighth Wonder Entertainment because I already had the record company as Eighth Wonder Entertainment in New York, yeah. and so I had it as Eighth Wonder. Uh, productions, okay. but uh, the the state came back and said that name's taken, so you got to yeah. go with entertainment. So I was yeah. like, "Hey, eight one yeah. to back together again." Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you have kind of like a Ja Rule sound almost. A yeah, bit. Like, I, you, you could pull that. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. The transformation between graduating high school, mm-hmm. you know, doing the cell phone gig, you know, ultimately feeding the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit of trying to get yeah. your your record label done. One of the things that, that took place during that time, if my calculations are accurate from looking at the at the dates, is that nine eleven happened. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess for me, I found it a little um, surprising that it wasn't really mentioned in terms, especially living in the fucking Bronx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that like you know, it wasn't really mentioned other than kind of an afterthought that you know yeah. the, the judge mentioned it at one time when before they got rid of some of uh, some of your warrant stuff, but. Yeah. 
living in the in the Bronx um, yeah. and that taking place, like what what kind of impact did that have on you as a, as a New Yorker? Well, yeah, I mean, I, the whole city came together after that happened. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember the day by my mom. I'll never forget the day my mom woke me up and she's like, "You gotta watch the news. Like we're in attack and all that." And and I put on the news, and then our, our buildings had the uh, co-op we lived in had had 17 floors each building had 17 floors so uh, me and this girl who i she was my girl back in the day or whatever she we went we went on the roof of her building and we could see the smoke we could see the buildings and the smoke and everything from 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 the roof because i mean we're in new york city and it was just like wow like this is it, it was crazy yeah and uh a part of me like the the part of me that finally came out wanted to do something you know mm-hmm. just like man it, how could somebody kill innocent people like that yeah so for a moment there was a part of me that wanted to do something but then you know as, as the days pass and reality set in and that same girl her her cousin was actually in the windows of the world she died they never, they never found her really yeah her cousin was in the windows of the world when 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 the building the restaurant that was on the top of uh no oh, shit one of the towers and they never found her Man. so um yeah it affected the entire city but you know that I, I mentioned it i didn't mention it in, in 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 this book but i'm writing a devotional book now and uh uh which is going to probably be the follow-up um to 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 my current book but it's more of a devotional it doesn't really focus more on my life it focuses more on on, on spiritual elements, but in it, I talk about how the city, you know, there was such racial tension within New York City. I mean, even at that time, in my opinion, but, and I try to, in the book, I talk about how, how God can bring good things out of bad things. And yes, that was a horrific incident. I'm not mis- minimizing that in any way. But the good that came out of it was black people, white people, Asian people, Spanish people. We all came together yeah. to, for our city. So, yeah. um, Everybody was was American first. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, essentially the 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 record deal, like a house of cards, kind of comes down, yeah. and you come to the realization that this shit ain't happening. Yeah, um, and so now the the divine voice, you know, upon waking up, tells you to join the military. Yeah. Um, obviously, in conjunction with the, some of the motivation from Bad Boys and the Rock, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the story, and I won't get you know again disclose all of the details. But you yeah, know, essentially, running running to the uh, to the recruiter, and uh, you know, your first contact is sitting sitting yeah. down in a marine office waiting for fifteen minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. can, can you walk us through that? Uh, yeah, that yeah. So I went to uh, uh, after I had this this battle uh, with the voice, and again, I go into detail in the books. So I'll kind of leave it for that. But um, I, I went to the Marine Corps recruiter's office first, not because I wanted to join the Marine Corps, but because that was just one of the first offices that was o- that, w- yeah. that, w- that was open. And so I went in there and sat down for 15 minutes. Coffee was on the desk, but nobody showed up. And then I got up, went next door, and and, and I ran into, I want to call, at the time I was like, she's an angel. Yeah. I was like, I ran into this angel. The hot Puerto Rican angel. The hot Puerto Rican <laughs> angel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, beautiful. Let me yeah. phrase that for, yeah. you know, keep a little piece. But the, a beautiful <laughs> Uh, uh, Puerto Rican uh, recruiter and uh, she ran my background and she found out I had two warrants out for my arrest I had a warrant in New York had a warrant in New Jersey and I was I, I got up to leave the office because I was like oh my gosh why did I come do this and I'm gonna end up in jail I thought she was gonna call the police on me and and instead she said uh, you know she asked me if I had a suit and I said no she said do you got a collar shirt and, and some pants I said yeah and she's like come back yeah, I can't remember if it was like uh, the next day or next week or whatever she said come back and 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 and, and, I'll, and I came back and she took me to the judge and she was in her dress uniform 
Yeah. She took me to both judges, advocated on my behalf in order to get me into the military. Yeah. And uh, a, a story that's not in the book, um, after I finished writing the book, my mom, she was the first person that read the whole book and she was just like, wow. She was just like, Remy, you know what's gonna happen one day? One day you're gonna be at a book signing and this recruiter is going to come up to you and, yeah. and, and she's gonna see how what she did changed the course of your life. And I was like, yeah, I really hope that happens one day. And, and as soon as my mom said that, cause I had forgotten her name. Yeah. As soon as my mom said that, I said, Ma, I know where I could find her name. Cause my mom was at my house in California. My mom still lives in New York, but she was in my house in California at the time. And she said, where? I said, I got my military record because I got my military record. So I, I run to my military record. I go through my files and I find the day I signed in MEPS to get in and her name was there. I Google her name and uh, I found out that she had died. Yeah. She died. Um, of a kind of a rare Four years. Yeah, yeah. After she got me into the Navy, man. So, so yeah, but me, me and her family are really close now. Um, yeah. I talked to our parents over the holidays and, and yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy to read like the, I mean, especially the, the fact that she's a recruiter and, and yeah. the way that she stuck her neck out for you. And also yeah. basically was like, yeah, you know, go, go to boot camp yeah. and bullshit the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. moment yeah. of truth. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was another thing she told me. Yeah. The New Yorker and her really came out because yeah. she was from the Bronx. She said, listen, she said, yeah. when you go to the boot camp, there is going to be evolution called moment of truth. And she had this thick Puerto Rican Bronx accent. She said, don't say nothing. Like don't Rosie say Perez. nothing. She yeah. was like, they're going to they're gonna try and convince you. They're going to lie to you. And if you say something, you're going to get kicked out. Yeah. And she shook me a few times and said, make sure. And, 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 and so, yeah, she told me. And she had, she had fudged all my paperwork. Yeah. She had got everything cleared in time and fudged my paperwork and the maps for me to be able to get in in time. Yeah. So it was all like, it, it all worked out yeah. perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, again, I, like, I, don't see, uh, yeah. I don't see recruiters doing that in no. today's day and age. And, that's, and the crazy thing is I get hit up from kids all the time on yeah. social media. And it's just like, how did you get in the military? Like, I'm trying to get in. Like, I have, I've made this mistake yeah. when I was 16 or 15, and I want to get into the military, but no one won't take me. Like, what can I do? And I try, I, I honestly can't tell them what to yeah. do. And I was actually talking to a buddy of mine who's a recruiter in Philadelphia, in the hood in Philadelphia. And uh, he was like, man, Remy, like, these kids have so much potential. I wish I could get them in, but they but they've done things and the government's like, no. So yeah, and that was another thing. thing I wrote, you know, I was trying to be strategic and intentional about was, you know, there's some people that they, they deserve it. There's a lot of people who deserve a second chance, yeah. you know, because well, especially you know, good people that, yeah. uh, that, you know, it's a win win. I mean, it gives yeah. them a second chance and yeah. the U S military needs driven, you know, motivated people that, that have skill sets. You know? there, yeah. There's a lot of them out there that, uh, you know, that, uh, that would be well suited for that type of work. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So you go, you make it through boot camp uh, and core school, uh, yeah. and then you go to, to Pendleton. I, I've, I've found myself last laughing at, uh, you know, kind of the, the rough edge Bronx mentality and you're getting dressed down by HM3 Trotter, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, basically yeah. saying, Hey, it's not, it's not, yeah, motherfucker. It's yeah, yes. Yeah, HM3. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it seems to be kind of a recurring, yeah. recurring theme throughout the book is yeah. uh, the, the authority piece uh, yeah, tends baby. to bite you in the ass a little bit. Yeah. Um, can you just kind of briefly uh, talk about the, the experience 
getting pap smears ready and you know yeah. again that's something i didn't know about you that, that you, you, know, you were at a marine base you know yeah. doing uh, regular hospital crap before you came uh, came to buds the first time yeah yeah man it was uh it was a, it was like a surreal experience because here I was thinking I was going to you know join the Navy and pick up a gun and run around a forest and here I am checking babies. It was humbling. Yeah, it was humbling, man. Checking in babies, giving them rectal temps and and, and assisting on Pap smears and having to yeah. clean up and going into rooms and women looking at me like, "What are you doing in this room with the doctor?" And I'm just like, "I don't want to be here either." But yeah. God, this is my job. Yeah. It was it was very very humbling. I did learn a lot though. I learned a lot about about um, communication. Also, I learned a lot about being tender and respectful, you know? So, you know, I truly believe that being there, it was beginning to work out those kinks that needed to be worked out in my life, especially respectful towards, well, I won't say complete because I wasn't completely respectful towards women even after that, but be a bit more respectful towards uh, 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 women there. That was one thing. And I I worked with nothing but women, you know, which was another crazy thing because all the women at the front, everybody at the front desk, they were all women. And yeah. all the nurses I work with, I was like the only dude there, yeah. you know. It's not um, a bad deal. No, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I, that I thought was cool, and again, yeah. you see it multiple times throughout the book, is during that, you request a, a schedule change basically to work from, because at this time, like your ASVAB wasn't good enough to yeah. to go to Bud's, the old ASVAB waiver joke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, so some of your test scores weren't weren't where they needed to be to, to make it to Bud's, which was mm. your ultimate goal. And so you request a, a schedule change to basically work eight to noon and then be able to work out noon to four. And then, yeah. you know, that's a long fucking day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's two things that struck me is, is it another quote that I pulled that I wanted to read because I see a, a, a recurring theme throughout our community that's very much uh, this way. Mm. One thing that family and friends have always loved about me is the fact that I have an all-in personality. Yeah. And one thing that family and friends have always despised about me is the fact that I have an all-in personality. <laughs> this trait of mine has always been a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because if I want something positive, I will run through hell and back to get it. If it's a curse, because if I want something negative, I will run to hell without careful consideration, put my foot on the devil's throat, and snatch what I want out of his hands. Yeah, um, that's poetry right there. It is. It's, it's, it is. Poetry in motion. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the... That but that that mentality though, yeah. in conjunction with the, the you know request for a schedule change and yeah. like, without a doubt, the most common denominator I think with uh, with special operations personnel mm-hmm. is that self starter. Like you don't need to be told, yeah, hey, you need to do X, Y, and exactly. Z. Exactly. You know, it's it's saying here's my goal. I will figure out a way to get exactly. it. Exactly. That that was my mentality. Yeah. Um, and it had to be because I didn't have anybody to to show me how to work out. I didn't have anybody to teach me how to swim. You know, I didn't have anybody to teach me how to study the ASVAB book, you know, so I had absolutely no choice but to figure out a way where there is no way. And I I would say that a lot of that came from my mom, you know, because my mom would beat that into me and my brother all the time. There is no, you can't, you can, you know what I mean? If I could do it, if I could raise you and my brother, you and your brother on on the amount of money that I'm making, if I could could provide for you despite the odds, you can do it. Um, She 
she was a she's a mess. She was and she continues to be a, ma- a master at figuring out a way yeah. where there simply seems like there is no way. And so when I got to when I got to that situation at, where you know I had to I wanted I wanted to be a frogman, but I had absolutely no qualifications yeah. <laughs> across the board. I didn't qualify in any area from yeah. being physically fit to the academics to anything yeah. to be a frogman. I, I was like, okay, I need to sit and figure out a way, and and and, and yeah, man. Yeah, when well, I, I found it uh, pretty amusing that you couldn't fucking swim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the soft forces, right? Yeah, like, right. I'm gonna be a seal. I can't swim. Man. I can't swim. Okay, not ranger, not green, but I'm gonna go. You know, yeah. But again, it's like it's it's here's the goal. I'm gonna work backwards from yeah. that and, and figure out a way around it. And that's something I try to teach. You know, I talk to my assistant about all the time. Is and 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 you know, I try to teach young people all the time. Is man, like. Don't wait. You don't have to wait for anybody to get the job done. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like you go do it. Yeah. And, and, and you could only, you are your only limit. You could mm-hmm. only go as far as you allow yourself to go. You yeah. Know? So, you know, with, with the help of a couple of uh, people on the base that, you know, help you both train and, and working with your schedule and stuff, mm-hmm. and then ultimately signing off on uh, giving you orders there. So you finally end up uh, going to Bud's, you check in. I thought it was cool that uh, you know that be someone special yeah. uh, sign is something that your aunt Doki used to say. Yeah, was that kind of one of those almost divine moment type, yeah. type things? Like, no, absolutely, it was um, because you know she would say that to me. She said that to me right when she gave me that money, and 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 the fact that she said that to me, and then a year and change later, I'm I'm seeing this sign, and that sign's been there for fifty years. Yeah, you know? and I never knew that. Yeah, I never knew that. And then it was just like it, what that said to me is, this is exactly where I need to be. This yeah. is the path I was meant for. This I was made for this, yeah. and that was my mindset when I got there. And so that sign throughout the whole process was, I was meant to be here. And, and yeah. so, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. She's still alive, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, that's <laughs> that's fantastic. And uh, you know, for those of you listening that are, are maybe a little unaware or not that familiar with uh with that there, there's this you know really basic simple wooden mm-hmm. sign that just says be someone special and in, in quotes and as simple and and basic as that may seem like you you see that sign and it overlooks the grinder mm-hmm. which is the the massive uh, square of con- concrete that everybody that's ever donned a trident has had their ass hands <laughs> on over and over and over and yeah. so you know there's this green freddy the frog statue yeah. and it says so you want to be a frog man on it yeah. and there's a wood sign above that that says be someone special and so for all of us like yeah. that that strikes a pretty pretty special uh thread with us but um amen so you know, reading through, and again, something I didn't—I didn't realize that you went to that you went to Buds and ultimately didn't didn't make it the first time. Yeah. Because I remember as an instructor, you were there. Yeah, yeah. And I fucked your last name up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember me? Yeah, yeah. of course I remember. Like, who doesn't remember I, their, their Buds instructors? Yeah. Man? Well, I mean, no, I, I mean there, there's certainly. I mean, there's times where like, yeah, fuck, I don't remember if you were there or not. Yeah. But, uh, the, but yeah, you know, so. Um, but again, like when when you were going through there the first time, that was yeah. actually coincidentally I was I, I had gotten back from Iraq and, yeah. and had gotten valley fever and lost uh, almost half of my lung capacity, and I was actually on convalescent leave the entire time that oh, you were wow. in buds the first time. Wow, um, I didn't and, know that. Man. And, yeah, and then became an instructor, and, and then you know was was there when you came back. But yeah. you know, so you got. To, can you just walk us through a little bit of that uh, that the first time that you were there where? Uh, where you know it ultimately kicked you in the nuts and, and sent you packing. What was that like? Oh man, it sucked. I mean, I mean, I went through first phase twice, and then made it through Hell Week, 
twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Well, this is I'm talking about the first run. Yeah. You know, made it through Hell Week, and then I get to I, you know I couldn't the swimming thing, dude. Yeah. The swimming thing kicked me in the nuts, man. Um, you know, not knowing how to swim with fins, and then you know I, I got rolled two classes in order to learn how to swim. I'll never forget it. You know, Ryan Zink, you pulled me aside after I graduated Hell Week. He was like, "Now nah, we're gonna teach you how to swim," yeah. <laughs> and they taught me how to swim, but. Those swim times dropped and dive phase from 85 minutes to 80 minutes, and I failed the first two swims, and then I went to pool week, and and I failed the tread, and uh, yeah, man, that that sent me home packing, and it sucked, man. It was yeah. it sucked. I mean, I, it sucked, but at the same time, I I looking back, it needed to happen. Yeah, I think that if I would have if I would have made it through. I'd have lost my mind. Yeah. I'd, it would have been too much power for me at that time. Yeah. But uh, but it sucked. It was because I mean, as you know, going you know going through first phase and hell week and all of that stuff to get dropped. No, it's, you know yeah. what I mean. Is is no, it's, it's tough. I mean, I you know, and as an instructor, you know, you you it's an interesting dichotomy yeah. going from a student to being an instructor. Um, yeah. And you see, you know, guys that. You're like, man, I don't. This motherfucker shouldn't be here. Yeah. That slip through the cracks, and yeah. you know. And then there's other guys. You're like, fuck, I would do anything to have that guy come to the teams. Yeah. You know, it's just it's the unfortunate reality of the standard. But yeah. But you also got pretty significantly sick and got. Oh yeah, yeah, rolled. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah, and during Hell Week, man, the first time I went through Hell Week, almost died, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I had pneumonia, sype, rhabdo. My core temperature had dropped down at one point to eighty-eight point seven. Yeah, uh, they re- I got rewarmed and put back in Hell Week yeah. with pneumonia and sype, and yeah, almost almost died. I went as we say in the teams. You know, you know, I, I went down hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I was in ICU for a few days after yeah. that. But the cool thing, the cool thing about it is, I'll never forget it, Master Chief Hoffman. When I got in CNCU four, when I got uh, when I got out of the hospital and got back to the barracks. Uh, Master Chief was like, he came into my room. He said, that's the type of mother effer we look for. We look for a mother effer who's down and out. He's sick. He's dying. Nobody knows him. We're kicking him in the balls over and over and over again. And he doesn't quit. Instead, he dies. (laughs) He's like, you're going to be a frog man one day. And then seeing Chief Ford, he said, yeah, you did all. It was awesome. Great. But you know what? You still got to start all over again. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, man. So, yeah, it was, it was, but you know, again, um, It was all of those things. Going back to the Bronx, man, you know, I really feel like the Bronx, my upbringing prepared me for all of that. You know, all of the stress that I endured is, you know, you know, you know, growing up, going to high school, all these different things, you know, really kind of. I don't want to say it was like water off my back, but yeah. but it really it really did prepare me the adversity and those yeah. setbacks, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's you know it's probably hard for a lot of people to to really wrap their mind around. Mm-hmm. You know the thought of of you know going through part of Hell Week, getting medically rolled, yeah. and, and spent you know a couple of days in the ICU, almost dying. Yeah, go back, start first phase all over again, <laughs> go through all over it again, make yeah. it all the way through Hell Week, go yeah. into second phase, and then get performance rolled out of second phase. You know, and, yeah. and ultimately getting performance dropped. Yeah. You know, and it's like, holy shit. Like, yeah. so, so then you go back to the Marines yeah. and now you've got to spend time with them. Can you, can you, you know, just kind of walk us through the, the time of 
the, the humbling time of yeah. getting sent back there yeah. and what that process. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I had to go to, through, uh, FMF school. So that was really, really, it sucked. Uh, I'll share a story. Fleet Marine Force. Fleet, for yeah, Fleet Marine Force school. And, uh, uh, it was cool though at the same time because we, it was like, it wasn't buds, but you, you know, we had to do like ruck humps and runs and PT and all that kind of stuff. And for me coming out of, you know, out of buds, having made it the second phase, it was like a walk in a park for me. So, yeah. um, I was really able to help serve the people, you know, the instructors were big about if you're faster and stronger, don't just run to the front and get get it done. Like stay with those who who do not have the skills that you have and help them. Yeah. So you know that just that that teamwork mentality. With buds, you, I mean you you. Buds is a team-based program, in my opinion. But at the same time, a lot of those time evolutions, they're individual. You have, I mean, you you have to pass your your yeah. run. You have to pass your old course. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, you and your swim buddy have to pass your swim. But 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 in in in, in FMF, it wasn't like that. It was like no, everyone has to finish at the yeah. same time. And so um, it really taught me, you know, the importance of going back and 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 using the skills that you have to help those who can't help, you know, who are struggling. Sure. Um. So um. So yeah, I had that period. I graduated from FMF school and then from there, I got uh, stationed at, at First Marine uh, Division uh, Battalion One Four out in Camp Horno in the Boondocks, and I remember uh, I, I lived in San Diego because uh, because after I, you know, while I was in Buds, I was in San Diego, and, and and when I got orders to Camp Pendleton, I was like, you know, part of me was like, it's not gonna be bad. I could do this drive up to Camp Pendleton, <laughs> but I didn't realize that I was going to be in Camp Horno, yeah. which is in a whole nother part of Camp Pendleton. So yeah. I had this crazy gnarly commute every day. And, and but again, you know, going through that adversity, uh, it really forced me to train harder yeah. in order to prepare to get back to buds. And so uh, every day that I was with the Marines, whether I, whether we were, you know, doing our work up, getting ready to deploy or on deployment or back from deployment, my mindset was to get ready for buds, get ready for the program. Yeah. Well, and that I mean, the isolation piece in that environment actually is is conducive to, to the focus yeah you know and that's something i use all the time in dog training it's something i, I preach to all of the uh we'll call them students on the on my online training program is yeah. is using crating and kenneling to to isolate and neutralize you know external stimuli so that you can get the dog to focus on you when you're training and that's I don't think it's an accident that a lot of military installations are out in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah, for, yeah. for that reason because no, there's, there's no distractions. But um, so you go on a deployment with him, uh, you know, not much really happens. But one yeah. thing that struck struck me as interesting was the the introduction, the first part of the introduction to kind of the the spirituality and the yeah. meditation. Can you, can yeah. you talk a little bit about? Yeah, that? yeah. So uh, um, my LPO, he was uh, he was into like a lot of the uh, Eastern uh, uh, philosophies and practices, and uh, it, it was he was just different. You know, um, he was just always so calm, and and and, and he always he was super respectful. It didn't matter what was going on. He was just like the calmest guy in the room, and uh, and and I was attracted to that. Yeah. You know, uh, there were people who, if they were like that, like I would make fun of them, yeah. but he, he was my LPO, so I couldn't really make fun of him. But at the same time, he was like different in a sense that I didn't even want to make fun of him. I just wanted to learn, Hey, how can I yeah. get that same piece that you have, mm -hmm. um, specifically to help me when I do go back 
to, to the bunts because I knew at some point I was going to go back. And so I kind of clung to him and, and he began to teach me about, you know, meditation and Eastern uh, philosophies and practices and, and Zen and just all of these different things. And I, and, and, and man, I took a hold of it so much so that when we got back from deployment, I joined and I don't even want to call it a church, but he had that, but it was like a gathering. They had like a gathering every every Sunday at this yoga studio and I would go and, and we would meditate and talk about life and talk about spiritual stuff like spiritualism type stuff. And, 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 and yeah, I was fully absorbed within it. Um, but, but the cool thing about it was prior to that, again, I had fluctuated between atheism and agnosticism depending on the day of the week. But it was through that, that, that I began to begin to open my, my open up towards faith. Yeah. Some you know not not any particular faith, just faith in general. Yeah, uh, you know I wasn't like as closed door or closed minded to it as I was prior to to my my encounter with him. Yeah, and and so w- within that group there was no real religious affiliation. It was all just more like meditation type. Yeah, it was meditation, but there was a there was a uh, a guy who who he was in charge and he was he would lead praise. So there was a religious aspect to it to a certain extent, but it wasn't as like, here's a Bible or here's a yeah. Quran or here's this, yeah. but there were certain, certain bylaws and edicts that, yeah. that, that governed it to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and so while you're back and you're getting ready to go to Bud's uh, 2.0, yeah. um, you know, so you're still doing a little bit of the meditation stuff, but that's also when you meet um, Cecilia, who, yeah, yeah. who was a significant part of your life ultimately introducing you to, to Christ in the yeah. manner in which that she did, which we'll, we'll throw back in here in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- that during that time, like it, it sounds like you were still kind of wavering a little bit in terms of nightlife and, um, you know, being being out on the scene and, and things like that and still not, not being obviously the way that you are now in terms yeah. of, you know, super focused on, on faith and things of that nature. Yeah. Did, did that, you know, lack of faith and, and, uh, you know, kind of playing the field cause you're on on again, off again with her yeah. a little bit. Did that distract you when you were getting ready to go? No, not still, at all. Still focused. I was stone cold focused. Yeah. I was eagle eyed, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I was, I, I, I didn't, you know, Whatever I needed to do to get the job done, everything else was irrelevant to a yeah. certain extent to me. So, so no, it didn't. It didn't because um, I was just driven. Yeah. I knew that this was my last shot, yeah. my absolute last shot, and I wasn't going to let anything, whether it be a woman, whether it be faith, whether it be anything, yeah. keep me from that goal. Nothing you know? was getting in the way. No, not at all. And so you, you end up getting to go back a little earlier than yeah. than you were supposed to, right? yeah. yeah. Um, which you know, I mean, again, like there's there's. You know some pivotal moments in your mm-hmm. life where people really, really stuck their neck out for you and, yeah. and and hooked you up, which is awesome. And that's the theme, man. That's you know that that, that this again. That's I tried to be strategic in that and highlighting you know what I call heroes of my life. I would not be where I'm at today without certain people coming into my life and you know you know giving me that extra push in order to uh, you know giving me that help in order to get to where I am. And and a goal in writing it that way was I I want other people to realize that some people they just need that help come into their life and give them that extra push you yeah. know whatever so. and it seems like uh not in the way that you had originally thought but she she kind of played that that role yeah um and so you know you go back to buds and essentially kick it in the ass right yeah, I mean, like yeah. went back and <laughs> yeah, moonwalk through it <laughs> yeah, like an mj style yeah man. um 
And still Seager. sucked. <laughs> it still sucked. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah more but, but I mean, you make it through and, yeah. uh, and you graduate and that's, that's where, uh, well, so I, I, you did mention the, uh, the role in third phase. Is that where you came into the Brown shirt uh, program? And that's where I was one of your instructors. At? Yeah. Yeah. Ty Woods was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, you, um, and Mike, and, Mike, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, well, instructor Rideau. Yeah, yeah, Rideau. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't remember who was there. Yeah. Was he the corpsman in charge? Uh, no, that would have been uh, Ty. But um, okay, he he and I were. It was either him or uh, we'll call him Instructor C because I think uh, his brother's still on active duty. They're, they're okay. brothers that were there. But yeah, I remember. I don't know if you remember this story, dude. When I was in Robeckland, um, like when I showed up, I had showed up because uh, you know everybody grows out their hair. Yeah, and, and, and buds, <laughs> right? I don't know if you remember. Do you remember when I grew up? I, yeah. I, so I grew out my hair. I had yeah. like a fro, but you know, yeah. with black people, you, yeah. when you push your, mash your head <laughs> down, it stays down. Yeah. And then, uh, but the, but the night before I checked into rollback land, I went to, I went to a hairdresser and he, <laughs> and, and this guy put, I don't know what it was, a perm or he put like some type of chemical in my hair. Yeah. So my hair blew out. Like an ultra perm so in there. Yeah, something crazy. My <laughs> hair blew out. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to check into rollback land tomorrow. My hair's like literally like this long. <laughs> what am I going to do? So I'm mashing it down the best I can and nothing is working. And then, uh, I'm like Roger that I'm just hopefully we don't have a swim and the first evolution of the day was the swim at the pool and I jump in I remember I jump in the pool and I'm side stroking yeah. and the first phase instructor showed up you were there Ty Woods was there and I'm looking and as I'm side stroking looking up I see Ty Woods walk to my lane and he's standing over my lane pointing at me and the rest of the Bud's instructors walk over and oh, uh, and, and and he points to me and he says, you, and then I finally pop my head up because my hair is just yeah. all over the place yeah. at this point. It's like covering my eyes. And he's like, what kind of Black Panther <laughs> SHIT stuff do you have going on? You get out the pool. I, I get hammered. We all go to the old course, the whole Brown shirt rollback crew gets hammered, and then he makes everybody shave their head. Ty Woods makes everybody oh, shave their head. I didn't realize that was because of uh, the incident with you, though. I remember, yeah. yeah, he he went fucking high order. Yeah, man. yeah, oh, that's some funny shit. Yeah, man. rest in peace, Ty Woods. Yeah, yeah, you, man. God bless the dead, man. So you go back to buds, essentially crush it. Uh, you did have the yeah. one. Uh, what did you get rolled for in third phase? Uh demo. Demo. Okay. Yeah. Demo. Demo. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately end up graduating. And yeah. then uh, I didn't realize you uh, got injured in jump school. After. Yeah, man. It was like always something. <laughs> yeah. Christ, like it's, yeah, you just keep taking heavies every every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. Um, and that was a significant injury, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I split the medial malleolus, which is in my ankle, which is the bone of stability in your ankle. I split it in half. Yeah. Uh, it was excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and at that time, you know, again, Cecilia was was hooking you up, yeah. uh, taking care of you and stuff. I, I do have to ask, just because I'm curious, like yeah. the, the earrings under the bed. Can you talk about that for a second? Some girl, Some another girl. Some, it was yeah. another. Uh, I don't. There was so many. Was it, was it a, I, 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 you know what? Actually, I, I do have an idea who it was. I think it was it was a neighbor yeah. that I was hooking up with, <laughs> and she knew about Cecilia. And, and she hooked she, you and, up. And I think, yeah, she came up one day and, you know, we did whatever we did. And then I, I truly believe that it was her. She put yeah. it in the bed. It was like, on I'm purpose. Get you caught. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's I'm funny. almost positive. Some rough, rough stuff. But hey, you know, you, yeah. you know, I had to pay the man, dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. right. So things kind of go back and back and forth with her. And, um, yeah. you know, you end up uh, essentially breaking up with her while you're at Kodiak, Alaska. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually the same time I was getting out of the Navy is when uh, we yeah. were there. But, um, what I found kind of transformational throughout this process is, mm-hmm. you know, you guys go back and forth. Um, and then ultimately, you know, when that, when that happens, you guys finally break up. 
but you ask her not to take you back after after you do, and she says no, but you ask her to take her to church. Yeah, and uh, I mean to me that's that's kind of the the premise of of the title of the book of, yeah. of your entire story, and and you know obviously that's a huge part of it. Can you can you speak to that that day or night when, when yeah, she took man. you there and what that yeah. was like? So that night, man, I was in anguish for so many so many different reasons. It kind of goes back to when I was in Kodiak and and I just started feeling this conviction. I was talking about it actually earlier today at the men's conference. I was feeling this, I was reflecting on my life. I was doing self-reflection. And, and as I reflected, I began to see how I treated my brother, my mother, how I treated people, how I treated Cecilia and all of these different people. And I didn't like what I saw. And it was something supernatural because it had never happened to me before where I actually had a time to deeply reflect. And so... Um, when I got back home and obviously we weren't together at this point, I was, it, it wasn't just the breakup that was bothering me. It was just, I would just felt this heavy weight of depression, you know, like how can I atone for all of the things that I've done? How can I, how can I fix the wrongs? And I was trying on my own and nothing that I was trying to do but the meditation or other things were working. And so I was in my room one night and, 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 and this dark, I felt this dark presence come into my room. Um, it was tangible. I could feel it. I could see it. I could, I could almost, you know, I could taste it. It was just all around me. And, and, and I immediately called her and I was just like, Hey, listen, you know, like I said, you know, um, if you're not going to take me back and you at least take me to church because I really need help. I need, I need to try something, you know, if this church God thing is real, I need to try that. And she said, okay, I won't take you back, but I'll take you to church. And, you know, we went to church that next day and, and I can't tell you anything that the pastor preached. Uh, all I could tell you was that I was, I was just, I had, I was broken. I, I truly believe that, that God had to break me down to the lowest common denominator in order for me to cry out to him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, 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 I had, I was just so hardened over the years and years of life that I had lived. And, and that was, I think that whole situation was what brought me to my knees again and went to church and can't tell you anything the preacher preached. But at the end of the sermon, when he said, you know, does anyone want to try this faith? Does anyone want to give their life to Christ? You know, that's when I, when I was like, I need, I'll try it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll try give it to college. Yeah, try. I'll see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> And, and and in reality, for me, everything changed. Yeah. Like 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 you know, I felt peace. I was I began to be able to give up the habits that that I had had for so many years. You know, for me, I'll just speak frankly. Like sexual addiction was a big thing for me. You know, whether it was, it was either pornography or it was either women sleeping around with women. And for you know, for for ten years, and you know, like through prayer and everything, I, I, I was delivered from that. You know, and and I lived a celibate life until I got you know got married and obviously but but um but yeah they, things begin to change i mean all the team guys all the guys who knew me like, what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> yeah, yeah they knew how i used to be they was like what's going on with this dude like Remy was a heathen he was a barbarian like what's happening and i, and I would just tell him man jesus happened to me dude like yeah. i don't know how to explain it but yeah. i don't have the taste to, to, for, for the things that i used to have and, and i just want to I just want to, you know, just just be at peace and help people and, and, and just, yeah, man. Yeah, well, you know, the so the asshole team guy skeptic yeah, yeah, yeah. in me when I'm read, reading that, like, well, okay, if you're not going to take me take me back, at least take me to church, I'm, I'm thinking that's a pretty slick, like, yeah. sliding into the yeah, DMs yeah. kind of move. Yeah, like, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, like, there was, there was some of that there. Yeah, there, there was a part of it that yeah. was, a part yeah. of me was, 
maybe if she sees me in this environment and she sees a change that that will work. So there was a part of me that absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But then there was another part of me that was, because my brother had been a Christian for a long period of time. And I remember I used to make fun of him. I used to mock him. I used to call him names. I used to call him, you stupid for following that fake God and all of this stuff. And uh, and my brother, you know, he would he would always tell me, hey, Remy, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, whatever. He, t- he would tell me that, he said, when you hit rock bottom because Remy you're going to hit rock bottom one day like it's going to happen like God is God's got a plan for your life and he's going to hammer you one day and he said when it happens cry out to Jesus yeah. it's like I'm not going to judge you I'm going to let you do whatever you want, but cry out to Jesus and so so there was a part of me that was like I want to do this for her but then there was another part of me like maybe my brother was right let me see what happens you yeah. know what I mean so but yeah I mean it, it's it's definitely a very I mean you can you can tell in the book it's it's extremely pivotal yeah uh in your life and and again i mean you know coming from that same community like that kind of paradigm shift in a team guy you know going from how how most are to yeah. you know kind of striking a polar opposite is you know is is pretty uh it's it's a neat neat transformation to see absolutely um and you know coincidentally that's almost kind of a, a rebirth within the community too and then mm-hmm. you graduate buds you heal up from the jump school injury and now you're getting ready to check into team three my yeah. alma mater yeah um if you could just for the obviously i know what that's like but if you yeah. could uh for the listeners kind of describe what that was like with the backdrop uh, everybody listening and realize that this was at a time where you know sustained combat operations in iraq and afghanistan have been going on for years and mm-hmm. and the guys that were there that yeah. you were checked into it was almost like holy shit like kind of meeting yeah you know I, almost like idols and that you know yeah. chris kyle and, yeah, and jocko man. and all these other guys like yeah. can you kind of explain that yeah that man it was it was surreal man it was surreal you know walking through the hallways that first day when i was checking in and walking through the hallways and just seeing the pictures on the walls of of you know frogmen getting after it in battle man and 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 and, and i'm here here and you know how did i get here like oh this is awesome it was like living i was living a dream you know and then you know going up and, and into the platoon space and meeting chris kyle you know what i mean and and he's right there and i've heard all of these 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 stories about him you know and and here i am this kid from the bronx yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying this this kid from the bronx who should have never been here yeah. standing right there in front of this dude. So it was, it was surreal. It was, it was definitely a blessing. And, and again, it was that moment where I was just like, this is exactly where I need to be. I'm in the right place. I made the right decisions to get to where I'm at today. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's, it's neat to, to read that. And, and it, you know, strikes a, uh, you know, moments that are very reminiscent for me and, and nostalgic, frankly, of, yeah. of being in the hallways of team three and, yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the, the crew of guys that came from that era, it's, uh, it's neat to read about. Yeah. Um, as you, you know, kind of get your feet wet at the team and, and get ready to go on your first deployment, you kind of find yourself in the role of one of the, one of the ways you put it that I thought was hilarious is from player to pastor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and kind of taking on almost like a, like a chaplain role, yeah. you know, in the, in the platoons and in the teams. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, you know, that, that feeling of responsibility to be that for your guys? Yeah, it was cool. Cause it was something that I never advocated for. It was something that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, my platoon chief, he had, you know, seen me, you know, he would see me reading the Bible. I was the guy that I wouldn't go into the strip club but I was the guy that was like 
drive to the strip club, drop the boys off and be like, yo, I'm here. Shoot me a text whenever you're ready. And I'm sitting <laughs> in my car and chill out. You know what yeah. I mean? I was the guy that was always a designated driver. And, you know, I would go into the bar and when dudes about to get after it, I would be, in the, you know, be there ready yeah. for them, not judge them, pull them out and get in the car and go. And so, yeah. so my, you know, my platoon chief and leadership, they saw that and, and, and they saw how dedicated I was to my, to my walk, uh, walk with God. And so right before the deployment, that's when, when my platoon chief pulled me aside and said, hey, dude, like, I want you to be the, you know, we're deploying to a, to a self-sustaining base. We're going to be in the middle of nowhere. We're not going to have chaplains. We're going to be on our own in this fob. Um, would you be the lay leader? And I was just like, what, me? <laughs> like, I don't know anything. But but yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely humbling. It was a big responsibility. Um, I, I would say a huge responsibility um, because, you know, I had to study. You know, I had to study the Bible more. And that's it forced me to study. So I began to study apologetics prophecy all of these different things in order to be able to hermeneutics and all of these different in order to be able to articulate the scriptures as as, as guys um wanted it and at the same time too like we would have church service we weren't on ops on 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 uh sundays i would have church service because we you know we did the vampire hours where we would sleep during the daytime and work only at night so so we would have church service in the evening on sundays and wednesdays and if we didn't have it then 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 you know if we didn't have an operation then I would be leading church service, man. Yeah. And guys, with some guys, sometimes it was like two of us in the room. Sometimes it was like <laughs> eight dudes. It, yeah. it would fluctuate, but it was a good time. And you know, I grew a lot uh, from that spiritually. Um, and that's actually where where my devotional book that's, that I'm, I'm writing now kind of came from. I call it Letters from the Wilderness because that's when I began to write these 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 uh, written sermons that I would actually send back home. And they were all they were were they weren't talking about missions. They weren't anything, you know seal related they were just sermons where yeah. i would take a scripture and, and and break down the scripture and 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 send it out you know yeah. so i learned a lot uh from a ministry perspective yeah it's yeah. so safe to say that um the more dangerous and hairy shit was the more guys would show up at the uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what and before every op we would pray everybody showed yeah, up for that you're damn right well you know everybody showed up for that but uh but uh but yeah i, I want to say i would just say it was it was it was consistent so where you would have bag. like yeah mixed bag every every week. Yeah, so. no, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or fucking with the guys, I guess yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, but all right, so you got you go to the self sustained uh, fob and you yeah. start um, basically conducting and engaging uh, human to operations. And yeah. I know this is where you know there's a lot of things that can't really be discussed. Yeah. But yeah. you know, the, the, there's a couple things, and this may seem a little long winded, but um, what I kind of drew from seeing your your natural, um, I guess, ability to to conduct those type of operations, and, yeah. and at one point you're imitating Chris Tucker to smooth shit over, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a funny story yeah. in itself. But um, you know, the, there's there's an element of of a mix of both the training that you received yeah. within naval special warfare uh, in conjunction with the the Bronx upbringing, street yeah. smarts. Like when you combine those two things, it seems like it's a natural fit, fit and, yeah. and those things kind of played an equal role in, in your op- operational success. No, absolutely. hundred percent. I, you know, going back to Bron, it prepared me for that role. Cause you know, growing up in, you know, where I grew up, you, you, you meet people who are BS yeah, and you, and you, and, and you meet the, you know, the guys who are, you meet the real deal dudes who will shoot you in the face immediately if you disrespect them or step on their shoes. Mm-hmm. Then you meet the cats that that are going to talk, 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 
and they're going they're going peacock but they're never going to do anything yeah. and and then there's a wide spectrum of people in between and so when you've lived in in that type of culture for so many years you learn how to read people mm-hmm. like you really really learn how to read people my buddy ricardo he says in one of the cutting room floor videos he said people from the bronx it's hard for them to trust people you know, it's, it takes time for you to build trust in certain people, but but that's also true. So anyway, that that wide spectrum of, of people that I encountered over my years in the Bronx, it really helped me to to evaluate quickly evaluate yeah. people when I was conducting those type of operations. So I was able to say, "Come on, dude, I'm from the streets, man. You ain't you ain't getting, you ain't, <laughs> ain't you anybody. lying, bro. Like yeah. I know the game. Well, I could tell when somebody seemed like they were lying, mm. but they were telling the truth, but they seemed like they were lying because of the fear. You yeah. know, they had fear. So I, it, it was easy for me to evaluate and read and then, you know, play the good cop because, I, you know, I had my, my fair share runs in, run-ins with the police and, you know, I had the warrants and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there were things that I took from from those encounters that I yeah. was able to kind of interject. But, but yeah, it prepared me. It was, it was the perfect it was a perfect storm between the training and then my upbringing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Cause the, you know, and you know, to, to draw back to dogs because that's what I do. And a lot of people listening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, listen because of the, the interest in dogs, but yeah. the two components that, uh, that really, I think parallel that are the body language, nonverbal yeah. communication. Cause that's everything with dogs, you yeah. know, like reading a dog and, and being self-aware enough, just like on the street, like carrying yourself a certain way Absolutely. when you need to carry yourself yeah. a certain way and, and backing that off at sometimes. But, you know the the other side of that coin is the you know that that ability to read people and, and interact right. with them and, and and have a kind of a gut feeling like Absolutely. that to me that's that's kind of like the the nature yeah. aspect you know yeah. it's not so much the nurture even though a lot of it's growing up well, like that's that, true that can't really be taught no absolutely that's true you know no. and and because you grew up you know with that uh, that environment, you know, for years of, of, you know, having to deal with people where, where it is life and death and people yeah. are struggling is very similar to how it is in a lot of places yeah. we go and operate. Absolutely. Downright. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And, 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 and it's helped me tremendously now in Hollywood. Oh, because in Hollywood, I'll sit and we, yeah, you and Brad would talk about the other day. I had a meeting the other day and this dude was, he was doing this thing on a call and I was just like, this guy is, this guy is, is, is full of it, man. Yeah. Immediately, the first five minutes, I yeah. was just like, I got this guy figured out. And, and, and we go to meetings all the time and, 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 and in Hollywood and deal with, you know, and it's the same thing within minutes. I already got them off. And they don't know it. So yeah. they just keep, you just keep playing the game. Playing themselves. <laughs> and then I, you know, I play the fool of, you know, sometimes you got to play the fool of fool of one who thinks they fooling you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I get, I get caught up in that. Yeah. So in, in that deployment, I thought it was pretty cool if you could talk about the uh, the Abu Karim alias, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well as basically chasing a, a known tango or terrorist Umar yeah. Zahid most of the deployment. Yeah, uh, if you can kind of walk us through that deployment and share any stories, I know you know people always love to hear what what you can share about yeah. some of the things you did on that cruise. Yeah, well, you know what? To be honest with you, the DOD just cleared my book last week, yeah. and so there's some things that. I probably can't really talk about right. just yet, uh, just because I want to be careful and I don't want to end up in a bad situation. Because oh, they just, I just got my redactions back. I got you uh, last week. So, <laughs> is, is anything that I just said in the in there in the redacted form? No, no, okay. you were pretty clean on right. on this, you know, yeah. this stuff. So, I, all right. Well, so we'll just we'll leave it at yeah, uh, yeah. at that. Yeah. Uh, you know my my synopsizing, which is crazy because it took them eight. As you know, you oh, know, I tried, it took them eight months to do. Yeah, 
Nice. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. No, it's, yeah, it's naughty. And and then, you know, some of the things they take out, you're like, who gives a shit? Exactly. And other things you're like, you left that in? Exactly. And, and that's yeah. a great point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's mind boggling yeah. sometimes. But so I guess the, you know, stop me if any of this is um, uh, redacted or, or too sensitive to talk yeah. about. But ultimately, you end up, I mean, you share what you can, I guess, yeah. so that I don't step on it. Yeah. Long story short, you know, in short, just to kind of be careful, yeah, track this guy for, for a long period of time. We were conducting other operations, but he was an HVT and HVT high value target. And we had been tracking him. I've been doing, conducting my human operations, which is intelligence collection, which I could, I could say for the record. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and a lot of that led to us capturing this guy yeah. and, and, and leading to other stuff. There's so much, as you know, there was so much other stuff I couldn't talk about in the book that yeah. I just knew wouldn't get cleared. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. <laughs> Can you, can you talk a little bit about why he was a high value target? I know, I mean, he was he was a motherfucker at, at the yeah. highest magnitude. Yeah, yeah, he was he was one of the top leaders in, in a terrorist group, um, Al Qaeda, at, yeah. at, at that at that point. And, and so, um, and yeah, he controlled. He had a large contingent of people who worked for him. He had he had he had an entire city in pocket where he could roam and do whatever he wanted to do. You know, the cops were in his pocket, you know, um, everybody, politicians yeah. were all in his pocket and, and he was a bad dude. He was responsible for a lot of deaths, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids suicide too, bombing right? attacks, kids, yeah. um, a lot of, you know, kids got, there was a, you know, I won't go into the detail, but there's, but essentially due to an operation that we did, he ended up, you know, having an entire family killed, yeah. um, two little kids who are part of it. So he was, he was a bad, 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 bad dude. And, you know, like people ask me all the time, they say, man, how could you be a, a Christian and be a, a seal? Like that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, Hey dude, listen, you know, God has created warriors and, and, you know, and, and, and you look at the Bible, they have people who go protect those who can't protect themselves. Um, from from oppressors and from from the wicked, and I dealt as you you know you, you know the deal. We've dealt with some very very wicked 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 people mm-hmm. who do evil things, and this guy was just one of them. He had no regard for, for for other people's lives, and he had no problem saying that person right there have him and his entire family killed, and yeah. it happened. So yeah. that's why he was an HVT. Now, didn't mind yeah. doing all the work that I had to do to make sure yeah. that that dude went away. But, yeah. No, it's good shit. And ultimately, you guys uh, nab him. Yeah. Um, so you come back from that deployment, and I again, this is one of those instances I actually laughed out loud yeah, reading yeah. it. it. Was when you said that uh, you went on fucking match. Uh, was it match? <laughs> match.com, match.com, man. Com, trying to find. They better give me an endorsement deal. Jockey already gave me an endorsement deal. <laughs> yeah. Match. Where you at, man? Yeah. We uh, yeah. pumping you in the book, dude. Just like fucking match of all people. Of I'm all things, I met but, my wife on match.com. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's priceless. Yeah. Um, 
but I also found it funny that uh, the first date you guys go on is basically a flop, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, you know, we weren't into each other at all. It was just one of those things where I was, I wasn't feeling her. She wasn't feeling me. You know, I was, I had no plans on. And she's a beautiful girl, beautiful woman. Yeah. You know, a doctor. You know, very well established. But it, we just the vibes weren't there. And uh, I had made up in my mind, I'm never going to see this girl again. I hope she doesn't call me. I hope she doesn't call me. She ends up calling me for yeah. the same and dinner after she had felt the same way too I guess she was just lonely she told me she was like <laughs> she, she eventually confessed to me later she was like yeah I was lonely and, yeah. and you know and, and, and I just wanted to hang out with somebody I was new in town so that's why I called yeah. you back and yeah that night is when she she really opened up to me you know she kind of took off the mask you know when people go on a date or whatever oh, they yeah. wear this mask and, and you know and yeah to impress the other and all this other stuff and she really opened up and, and when she did I was able to see her heart and and after I saw that, I was like, wow, like this is a woman I could spend the rest of my life with. And we've been married for going on eight years. Yeah. We got oh. married. Just like my dad and my mom, we got married five months after. Yeah. We got married oh, five shit. months after. It, the same, the same month. We met yeah. around the same time my mom and dad met. And we got married the yeah. same month my mom and dad got married. If you and had- I didn't know that until after like years until like two years after we were married. Oh, I was sure. like, me and your dad got married in November after we met. And I was like, really? No doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But, so, I mean, it was all because you offered a fucking salmon dish, right? Yeah, yeah salmon. I told I could cook. I learned how to cook, you know, yeah. I learned how to cook. So I was like, you know, yeah. Uh, the cursory salmon dish. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you guys end up, uh, she, I mean, she reaches back out you guys end up getting married and yeah. uh, and you're you know you're getting ready you get kind of a shotgun wedding almost right, yeah. right before another deployment yeah and this is something i can certainly relate to um well actually before i get into that is there anything from that deployment that you can share that no that's why that's, why that's yeah. why that's why that's yeah. why it was the length that it was because yeah. it was it was almost a fucking it was tech, afterthought. They, that a lot of the, the the crazy thing was it was it was I shortened it because I knew a lot of it was going to be would be redacted if I mentioned it. But the DOD redacted stuff in that part of the book, yeah. which I was shocked. Yeah. So, but the, I guess the the point I was going to make is that something that I can relate to is that you know at that point now you've got two sons, two young sons, right? Yeah, yeah, two boys, you man. Know? Uh, and so you're you're at a crossroads life wise where you know you can stay in and. Uh, and keep being gone 300 plus days a yeah. year and, and, you know, riding the dangerous fence that, uh, that we ride as, yeah. as, uh, you know, sports. well, the kids came after that deployment, like, but, like, the, so the kids came after, after I got back from the deployment is when, yeah. when the kids were born in, but I, I guess, I mean, in terms of the, you're at, at that crossroads. Of, oh do, God, I got it. My you bad, know, my once bad. you have the kids, yeah. do I stay in, do I get out, uh, yeah. you know, type of thing. And, and I was faced with a similar, similar decision with these yeah. two, uh, two little heathens over here is that, uh, you know, they, they were, you know, fresh out of the womb basically. And I, yeah. I was kind of forced with that same or, or presented with that same decision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we both made kind of a similar one. I am curious to, to get your, the mentality that you had, the thought process as you were getting ready to get out as to what, what ultimately made you decide, you know what, I, I am going to fucking bail and, and, uh, and get out. Yeah. So my first, my first son was born in 2014 and my second was 2015. And, um, you know, uh, again, my dad having my dad die at such a young age, you know, I just knew that, you know, I was still in the teams, you know, I still had my first son. I still had, I had still had two years, man, in, you know, after my first son. And and then and, and, and it just came down to 
I needed to be home, man. Yeah. I needed to be a dad, dude. I, I just, you know, I just wanted to, I didn't want my, my kids to go down any of the roads that I went down because I was absent, even though they were young at the time, you know, I just, I just wanted to be there yeah. and I wanted to experience fatherhood, yeah. you know, as much as I could. You know? Was it a hard decision? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was extremely hard, you yeah. know, it was extremely hard. You know, at the, you know, when I got out in 2016, you know, I, I got, you know, I graduated from buds and in, in 2000 and what was it? 2007. And, you know, and, 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 you know, I've been in the, you know, I've, I achieved this dream, you know, I got to, you know, go overseas, do cool things and, and have the brotherhood, you know, and, and just being around great guys, and I knew that I would be giving that up. And I knew that once I got out, there was going to be no turning back. Yeah. And so for me, it was, it was, um, it was hard. It was extremely hard. I, I went through spouts of, of, of depression at times. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I had to do it for my, I knew I was doing it for the right reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, it ended up, it ended up working out because I got out in January. I'm no, it's crazy. I got out January of, uh, 8th of 2016. And then, um, interestingly, two months later, I was invited to it on a trip to Israel, uh, with, with, with the Gifford family, Kathleen Gifford oh, no and sure. her family. And, um, I went with them and then I got back from that. I got back from, um, that trip and, uh, I got the phone call for, for, for Transformers. Yeah. So, and I couldn't have done, uh, the whole Transformers deal if it, you know, if I, and I was in grad school at the time as well, but I couldn't have done the, the Transformers deal if I was still in. So, yeah. 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 Did, did you find like it was, I mean, for, for myself and for most vets that I talked to, mm-hmm. especially, you know, at a higher level of operate, uh, operational capacity, such as special mm-hmm. operations, is that, there, there's an element of, of a little bit of drifting, you know, when you first get out is that you kind of lose that identity a little bit of you're used to being a SEAL for yeah. years, you know, yeah, and yeah. being, you know, revered on bases and, and you know, respected just because of the, of the uniform that yeah. you're wearing and things like that. And and that you're an active duty team guy and now all of a sudden you're not. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it opens some doors, but ultimately people don't really give a shit. I mean, yeah. not more than, oh, well, that's cool. Tell yeah, me about it. You yeah. know, so. Did, did you find that, that there was an element of that? Or? No, because you know what? You know, my identity was, was um, my, I tried to not have my identity rooted in that. Yeah. You know, you know, as, 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 as a person of faith, you know, we have a saying, you know, have your identity rooted in Christ. So I tried to make sure that my identity was rooted in Christ. So when that went away, it, you know, yeah, it wasn't, it, 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 I didn't, I didn't feel that at all. Yeah. I can't say that there was any wavering or any of that or feeling bad. I was just like, okay, now the next mission is is finding a way to provide for my wife and my kids so that my kids have a better life than I have, yeah. you know? And yeah. so, yeah. But, I mean, that's a, that's a refreshing perspective, no doubt about it. So yeah. it says a lot about, uh, you know, the, the relevance faith plays in your life, no yeah, doubt about it. Because I know, like I said, for me and for, I think most most vets that that takes place where guys yeah. are like fuck now what you know like i'm yeah. not i'm not who i used to be and, and it's kind of an uncharted territory thing yeah. but, um all right so transformers takes place with michael bay and, yeah. and leads to more more acting can you uh give us a, a rundown on what that was like uh doing doing movies and commercials and stuff like that it was cool man it was cool and the, and the crazy thing about it is again people ask me all the time how did you get into acting i tell them i never got into acting got acting gotten to me i never <laughs> yeah. wanted to do acting i wasn't thinking about doing yeah. acting you know i just got the phone call and and it was it was an amazing experience you know being on transformers working with anthony hopkins and mark Wahlberg and josh duhamel and all of these 
people who are legends and acting yeah. for the first time. And then, and then, yeah, that, that, it just opened up more doors for me. And it's funny because I remember, um, uh, we were shooting Transformers and a buddy of mine said to me, he said, Remy, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep pursuing this? I was like, absolutely not, dude. I'm 30. I think I was 34 at the time. I'm 34. I got two kids. I can't drop everything and move to Hollywood to be an actor. He's like, man, like no one gets an opportunity like this. You should keep pursuing it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I, I pretty much told him no. And then, uh, fast forward that we were on set in London and, and, um, for Transformers and, and, and Mark Wahlberg, he just gave me like a, he, like a, small sentence of encouragement man he was like man you're doing a good job like so, and and then and then and then another actor actress in there i forgot her name um she pulled me aside she's like remy you need to keep doing this and so it was those two things that really kind of inspired me to go get some actual formal training so when i got done with transformers i actually started going to the acting school uh because i said if i'm gonna do this i need to i need to you know have the proper training for it and uh, and at the same time i got booked for two commercials uh and then a few months later i received a phone call for somebody who was connected to jockey and and he was like hey jockey wants to sign you to an endorsement deal do you mind flying to amsterdam to shoot a commercial in your underwears <laughs> i was like sure you guys cut the check i'll be yeah. there and i'm in amsterdam <laughs> and my skibbies and yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of different red light skibbies and yeah yeah you know shooting a commercial and uh and then you know print and then the doors just began to open up for me and it was actually through you know through transformers that that uh, i got approached by harper collins via kathy lee gifford when i went on a today's show to promote transformers she pulled me aside and she said hey remy like your story is too remarkable. You need to write a book. And I was like, no, I'm not writing a book. She's, and, and she said, why won't you write a book? I was like, do you know what will happen to me in oh, yeah. the teams if I write a book? I mean, you know, yeah, dude. I know. And, and I was just, and she was like, yeah, but where's your heart? I was like, well, my heart would be to inspire and help people. She said, okay, then you need to write a book from that perspective. Yeah. And so she walked me to Harper Collins, and 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 I, and you know after the Today Show, and I signed a book deal with them, man. And, yeah, awesome. and so doors just begin to open up, and and you know, so it's it's been a great, it's been a blessing. It's uh, it's allowed me to to you know travel travel more of the world, even though I, I traveled the world before in the military, and yeah. it's you know it's just opened up opportunities for me to be because storytelling is a big. This is a big part of who I am. It was through storytelling that, it, you know, when you look back on my story, it was through storytelling that the trajectory of my life changed. It was through film, yeah. you know? And so, so being able to now being, be in this environment, be in this, in, in this profession where I could through, through story possibly inspire other people to change yeah. or, or to, to reach higher, you know, that it's, it's a blessing to be able to be in this field, yeah. you know? No, it, yeah. I mean the, the, the ability and platform to, to spread whatever message you want yeah. in, in that position is, uh, is priceless. No, no doubt about it. Absolutely. The one, one quick question on the transformers thing I was yeah. curious of is how long was, was that process that you were, were filming and involved with? Was it a couple of months? Yeah. Yeah. So I started, I started in May, the end of May is when I was on set for the first day. And then, um, it was just supposed to be that one day. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you know, I get a phone call from production and they're like, hey, Bay, Bay wants you to come back for three weeks. So yeah. I fly to fly to Arizona for a week, film out there. And then I fly to Michigan for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, production approached me again. And they said, hey, Bay wants to keep you on until we wrap. And I was like, sure. So they, so I, I started in May and we wrapped in December. Damn, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Wild. So I'm filmed in California, Arizona, Michigan, and London. Yeah, you know, that's good and shit. And San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever uh, approach Bay and tell him that you saw... Um, yeah. Two movies. Yes. Yeah. So, so after filming had wrapped, 
I had wrote a letter and I was kind of hesitant to share with him because, you know, you know, a person of that stature, you know, they yeah. get people who send them letters oh, and stuff and they're just like, yeah, whatever. And, 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 and so, you know, I, I wrote a letter and I didn't want to send it to him, but a buddy of mine was like, man, you need to, you need to, again, your heart's in the right place. You need to, you know, send this letter to him so he knows, you know, how he's influenced you. And so, you know, once we were completely wrapped, I sent it to him and he was just like, this is actually is framed on in his office. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah, Damn, yeah. that's cool. I wrote, man, I just wrote how you know share a bit of my story and how his his films inspired me to be a frogman and and yeah. you know and how being a frogman changed the trajectory of my life. You know, yeah. and I and I told him and you know I just encouraged him. You know, keep doing what you're doing because it's helping people. Yeah, yeah. man, that's a, that's pretty neat. I mean, yeah. to to be framed in the dude's office like at uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he's got all sorts of cool shit. That's awesome. Yeah, man. What, one of the neatest parts of the book, I thought, and it was something I was thinking about throughout reading it, was mm-hmm. I was I was planning on asking, you know, have you gone back, uh, you know, to Lagos, or have you thought about it, whatever? Yeah. To hear that at the end, yeah. end of it was pretty neat. I, the the biggest thing that I was curious of is that when you you know knowing what you knew mm-hmm. uh, about your father from your mother's perspective uh, and and families of what they had told you. Was there an element of bittersweetness being there and seeing Banana Island and, and all oh, yeah. of this? I mean, and I won't spoil. There's there's a ton of other elements yeah. in the book. I, I try to walk that line of not yeah, not yeah. talking about too much, but also giving a, a people a good idea. But mm-hmm. to know the the blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work um, and passion that your dad brought to yeah. to that pro, the, we'll call it the Lagoon Project to ultimately yeah. have this enormous uh, piece of property that. Um, you know, it was ultimately worth fucking billions. Billions down. Um, yeah. Was there a bittersweetness being? It there? was. It was. It was sad. I uh, I went to the island. This, you know, I could kind of touch on this because the book was actually supposed to end with me, with my with the whole entire description of all the emotions I felt when I was on the island. But yeah. I kind of went in a different direction. But yeah, man, when I was on my dad's island, this island that's now worth billions of dollars that he developed, it was just like in my mind, I was just like you did all of this but your family has no access to it It was just one of those feelings like this in a sense and it's not a happy ending because it was like all of this was almost for nothing yeah because somebody else now has it and your own family and a lot of your family has 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 struggled because because we haven't been able to have this Mm -hmm. um but the blessing in it all is you know the way I look at it is I am that banana island in a sense. Yeah. Because if it was, because if he didn't die and the things didn't happen the way they happened, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. I wouldn't have, because all my, my, my dad was married before he married my mom and he, he got divorced and all my older siblings, they all lived a luxurious life. They all went to boarding school in London. All of them had British accents because they were all sent to yeah. boarding school. I can't in imagine you were the fucking British accent. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, um, and so, so when I look at look at it, like it's almost like his death and the loss of that created. led me to where I am. That created me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was kind of bittersweet, but you know, it is what it is, and and it's sad that it, it's just the court case is still open. Yeah. No shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, as so a matter there, of fact, there's a chance that there's there's a chance. Um, my brother, I th- and he, uh, he, my half brother, who's a lawyer, um, he, I think about a year ago they offered him X some millions of dollars, but he's like, no, dude, like this island is worth billions of dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why would I take? a few million for something that's worth billions of dollars. So the case is still open. Yeah. There's entire court files uh, on it. And there's a lawyer active. There's, there are two lawyers actively still fighting the case. Yeah, sure. So we'll see. 
We'll is, see what happens. Is there any element uh, in terms of your family is, is concerned and in fear of retribution from their government with no. this book coming out? Not really. No, I, I personally don't think so. Yeah. Um, or, or it affecting the case, I guess. I, I think that it's going to help the case yeah. because right now in Nigeria, I mean, historically Nigeria, and this is something that, that I'm not saying flippantly, Nigeria has been a very corrupt country. Mm-hmm. Uh, corruption is, is something that is well known amongst the Nigerian people and the people of Nigeria are very, ups- very fed up with yeah. the corruption. And right now they're going through a new presidential election cycle and that's again that's one of the main selling points on the docket i will rid corruption forever so so what i think will happen is i think that when this book comes out and nigerians in the uk and the u.s and nigerians in nigeria read it and it gets the exposure that it's going to get i think that it might it's going to help our case yeah I personally think it's going to help our case. Almost like a grass grassroots uh, uncovering of the of the travesty that took place. Exactly. Yeah. I think that the people are going to stand up, and all of the all of the people who are, who have been involved in the case, I think they're going to rise up. And and that, the only reason why it's going to happen is because of because of who I am in yeah. a sense. Oh, Remy, this Navy SEAL, this actor, his family was done so bad. We need to do do the right thing yeah. now. We're going to look bad. I think that that might happen. Now yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I hope, I hope we'll see does. what happens. If yeah. it does, I'll be a billionaire. I'll cut you a check I'll, for a million. I'll, I'll, I'll come to Banana <laughs> Island. Yeah. Hang out. Yeah. Um, one, one of the, uh, the things I'm curious of is that the, one of the contacts that you had there, uh, and I'll save the, the, the swimming story with the, with the young man for yeah. people to read the book, yeah. but, what I am curious about is is you learned a lot about your dad that you didn't know on that trip, and, yeah. and we don't have time to go over all of it, but yeah. is there something that you could share that kind of surprised you the most or that you were most proud of that uh, that you learned about him that you didn't know once you went back to Oh, to man, there's so much, man. Um Um, I learned I learned about him being the first, one of the first black men on the world board of the World Trade Center. Yeah. I didn't know that before before I went there. As well as um there's this major financial exchange in London. He was one of the first black men on that yeah. on the board for that. So those were things that I learned um being there. Um the island, man, like when I left Nigeria in eighty seven, the island was pretty much developed, but it didn't have the houses yeah. and, and, and the buildings and, and 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 just all of the things that are on it now. So so, you know, one thing that I did learn the the scope of this project. That like how big it was because it, as a kid I heard the stories where your dad built the island. I'm thinking an island like what the size of a house an island, yeah. but actually you have to driving through this island and, and how strategic he was in placing it where it was, and the technology that 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 he had, that, that was built into the island for future you know you know to to essentially build this island for as a massive like business uh, epicenter. I didn't I didn't fully grasp that until I was on the island and I was driving right. around and I'm just like this place is amazing like way ahead of his time it's way ahead of his time yeah. way ahead of yeah, his time awesome. um so yeah that was the biggest thing yeah yeah I mean it sounded like a like an amazing kind of almost homecoming kind of trip but yeah. um no great great stuff um thank you as we kind of wrap up here, because I know you guys are a little bit short on time, uh, what what now in terms of uh, what Remy's doing? Yeah, so now I'm uh, wow, a few things. I just finished up Six Underground Consulting and um, uh, and doing a little acting on that. That comes out in July. Um, my book is coming. You know, do you, do you have a release date? May fourteenth. May fourteenth. May fourteenth. Right. So so 
Uh, I'm not sure when you're going to release this, but it'll be probably in conjunction with that, maybe a little sooner, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, make sure that it's, uh, you know, similar so that it's not too early. Yeah. 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 So May 14th. And then I'm writing a film. I wrote, actually, I wrote a film. I wrote a film called the chameleon It's based off of a chapter loosely, very loosely, loosely based off of a chapter in the book called the chameleon. And so right now that's being sent around to different production companies and studios. And and hopefully we should have a deal on that soon. That's cool, man. uh, That'll be an awesome story yeah congrats on that That's no, good thanks shit. brother where can we find you social media website wise if people want to want to see what's going on yeah so um remy adeleke a-d-e-l-e-k-e remy is with an i not a y <laughs> so uh you can find me on on that name on twitter facebook instagram uh linkedin um my website for the book is transformed edstory.com so you can get tons of information uh, on the book or you could even pre-order the book if you haven't uh pre-ordered the book go ahead and pre-order the book right now i'm on youtube as well my youtube channel is transform book as a matter of fact if you pre-order the book uh we're releasing cutting room floor stories uh to the general public but we also have cutting room floor stories these are all stories that didn't make it into the book we have exclusive stories that are only being released to those who pre-order so go ahead and get your pre-order on and and yeah those are the places you can find me well amen yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, anything you want to want to add before we close it close it down? Yeah, man. One thank you once again for having me, brother Mike. It's crazy that you know that you were my buds instructor. Yeah. And now we're sitting here like <laughs> over a decade later I conversating. But yeah, man, I appreciate yeah. this. I appreciate what you do, getting the word out there, and and, yeah. and and yeah, man, everybody out there, keep getting after it. Um, where it looks like there is no way, find a way because there is a way. Don't quit. Don't give up. And uh, yeah, keep pushing. Keep pushing. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's good, great yeah. messages, and uh, you know, for all, for all the listeners, uh, before we wrap up here, yeah. you know, the the book is called Transformed, and for the YouTube assholes, yeah, <laughs> go ahead and uh, this is what the cover looks like. Yeah, pretty ominous cover. It's badass, yeah. and, and like I said, the book, um, you know, it was it was a, an easy book to not put down um you know it was really fascinating and and not what i expected in a lot of good ways again not that i had bad expectations but uh really fascinating great stories really great message um and you know for anybody out there that that has been dealt a shit sandwich or is unsure of their path um you know or or otherwise uh, i encourage you to pick the book up it's fantastic Uh, and we will release this uh, again, it'll be some, somewhat in conjunction with uh, with when it comes out, but you can always pre-order it, um, which I would actually recommend doing as, as soon as it comes out. But yes, um, thank you, I want to thank you for taking time out of your your busy schedule for coming. And uh, as always, thank you for your service. Appreciate uh, everything that uh, you and all the guys. It's neat to see guys that uh, that went through training when I was an instructor uh, yeah. getting out and, and kicking ass and taking names so it's thank you brother I'm proud of you man thank you brother much. appreciate you all right one uh, one quick uh, kind of housekeeping note in terms of the products I just want to uh, fill everybody in real quick teamdog.pet is the uh, online training um, one-stop shop it's a good resource uh, anybody who owns a dog uh, do yourself and your dog and frankly everybody that your dog pisses off a favor <laughs> and go on teamdog.pet sign up for the online training it's uh, it's 100 bucks a year um, and you will thank me for it 
yes, CBD oil uh, again for both pets. It's available in uh, for both pets and people. It's available in chicken liver flavor at 200 milligram, as well as the key lime pie uh, full spectrum at 500 milligram, and lemon lime uh, isolate at 500 milligram. So I like to take uh, the isolate in the morning, the full spectrum at night. And I do the same thing for all the pets. Uh, Trichosupplements.com is where uh, you're going to find that. I get uh, some of that for myself. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some. <laughs> yeah. The um, the one of the things that we're adding into the website is a first aid kit, a canine first aid kit, um, as well as a training certificate process within the uh, the online training, so you can actually uh, take quizzes and a test to get a certificate, uh, which is something that we're just starting to offer, as well as a first aid and canine CPR certification in that process as well. So again, go to teamdog.pet and check that out. Uh, RayAllen.com has our collars and leashes available, the Tricos collar and leash, which is something I developed in conjunction with Working Dog Dry Goods, and now it's available on, um, again, RayAllen.com for that. Uh, we've got some dog food uh, and treats coming out as well as a dog crate that I designed with a dog crate company that are uh, coming out real soon that we'll share uh, as soon as they're available. Before we go, I uh, want to again thank uh, Remy for coming. It's been great having you here, and I, I love you, what I learned out of the book. Thank Ultimately, um, I want to thank the listeners because uh, if it were not for your guys' support, uh, we wouldn't be here uh, flapping our gums and sharing our stories (laughs) with uh, with you guys. So you guys continue to humble me and and my team here, who is an integral part uh, of this process, and and I would not uh, be where I'm at without, uh, without them. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. And the support of a lot of people, frankly. So uh, thank you to all you guys, especially, again, you, the listeners. Uh, And until next time, this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.